Digital Gonzo number 53, dated Thursday the 26th of January 2012. Legends of Zelda Part 2, Skyward Sword. I was just impressed at the way that um, your sword tracks in your hand. No one's really mentioned it so far, but the fact that when you're standing there, you know, ready for combat, and you sort of wave the sword around, not even like, you know, waving it, just like turning it in your hand, and it tracks and follows you, and you feel very connected to Link as a result of that. It made combat far more like a puzzle at any given time. In the fights where you really have to slash one way or have your sword turned one way you have to really pay attention the first time this is not really spoilers but uh, the first time that you fight the big bad guy you know Garim you and he can catch your sword and you have to either jerk it out of his hand or you know shake away or you know it it really does feel like you're you're holding that sword and that you're responsible for what's happening with it on screen so that that was incredibly impressive and it would not have had the same impact pushing a button to do that at all where you're attacked by hundreds of the moblins and you have to hit them with the sword. And they are, it's all one-shot kills, but when you're just carving your way through these hordes of monsters, it really makes you feel kind of powerful and heroic. That was lifted from uh, Wii Sports Resort. Almost every single game in Wii Sports Resort is there. Like, mm. the bird is the motorsports, bombs are the bowling. Like, the penultimate boss battle was the sword-fighting mode. Yeah. in terms of knocking off the platforms. And I didn't mind that too much. I can kind of see why they've done that, because the whole point is, as much as this is meant to be a, a, a game for the core, it's also meant to be the game that introduces Zelda to the the mainstream, the ones that... The, the game is that Nintendo have attracted this generation. It's meant to be something to appeal to them as well. And by introducing stuff that they've already essentially done was a great idea. The problem was they didn't focus on what makes Zelda Zelda, rather than making it welcoming to everyone else. I used to watch the, um, I think it was the Wii adverts. It's partly the Wii adverts for this one, but then when the Wii originally came out and they show the kind of, the person really getting into the sword fighting and you can hear the sound effects and you just hear him seeing proper doing slash and I think, I am never going to do that. I'm never going to stand up and act like I'm actually sword fighting. This one I actually did. This one I was actually proper kind of, you know, had the stance. I was holding my arm in front. Of, the shield, you can just, you know, flick your nunchuck and the shield will bring up, but I'm actually holding my arm in front of me just in case. I'm actually doing it now as I speak. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to stand up and, and do this on my feet the whole way through, but I got tired waiting for the tutorial to end. Oh, it didn't. It's a game that you desperately want to love, but it just constantly comes along and slaps you in the face. Uh, and that's what it feels like. You, you, you're sort of playing it thinking, no, this is really good. I, I don't, and then, bang, slap in the face, you know, take that. <laughs> How dare you try to enjoy this game? Oh, my gosh, that's really negative, and this is the like bit, isn't it? Um... Did anyone ever spend any money on underwater breathing potion? What a waste of... Or stamina potion. Or any of the others. The only time I actually needed underwater breathing potion, I couldn't go and get it. Yeah. It was underwater. What's the the opposite to immersive? Um, Unimmersive? I feel like this game finished a lot stronger than it started. Mm. Maybe it was just because I was getting over the initial disappointments and things I was frustrated with and just moving past those and starting to see what was good about the game, but... I, w- I just I know I was enjoying myself more probably during the second half of the game than, than during the first. Somebody suggested on my Twitter feed they'd like to see a Link who doesn't get told he has to go out and save the world until he's middle-aged. 
That'd be interesting. Mm. What else do I want to see? I'd like it set in the future. Online multiplayer. Um, no. <laughs> I just genuinely loved it from start to finish, minus the gropes. Daniel, thank you so much, not only for coming on, but staying up till, what was it, four in the morning to finish this thing? Yeah, roughly. Oh, sorry, Dan. <laughs> no, no, it was all right. I was, not only had I said that I could was going to do it, but I was also, like, determined, I'm getting this done tonight. I don't care. Back when I was doing Digital Cowboys, I composed a collaborative show of many interviews with our community and other podcasters. It's one of the best pieces of work I've ever been a part of, and this show should act as an accompanying piece. This was an important game for Nintendo. It marked what may be the final big in-house title for the most successful console they've ever put out. By virtue of its Wii Motion Plus controls, it also acts as one of the handful of titles that make good on the control promise laid down by the Japanese giant in 2006. That promise has been tested these past five years or so by a deluge of waggle-controlled party and carnival games that even the die-hard Nintendo fans would be hard-pressed not to call a disappointment. There are, however, at least two dozen noteworthy accomplished or genuinely excellent titles on the platform, and Skyward Sword has been touted as the pinnacle of design and application among them by many reviewers, garnering perfect score after perfect score on Metacritic. It has a lot to live up to, and a lot of people to satisfy both long-time Nintendo fans in their 20s and 30s, either weary or embracing of the unchanging core formula, and of course newcomers to the series who have never donned Link's green cap and taken up the Master Sword. Tonight... You will hear from many people who have played this game. Their thoughts and theories, their bugbears and peccadilloes. You will hear what people found charming, exhilarating, infuriating, and just plain dull. And if I've done my job right, it should constitute a rich tapestry of opinion. If you have not yet played the game, there will be a specific flagged breakpoint where extended plot will be discussed. The cutoff is after the Temple of Time, since everything plays out like Zelda clockwork up to that point. You get your opening, an introduction, then three different zones and their respective temples, nothing surprising or divergent. Everything after the Temple of Time is more pertinent to the game as opposed to the whole series. So there will be a clear spoiler warning and you should come back when you finish the game because we will be talking about everything up to and including the end of the game after that point. Tonight, you will hear from the following. Uh, hello there, I'm Daniel Floyd. I'm the voice and uh, uh, one of the guys behind the web show Extra Credits on Penny Arcade TV. And I'm going to go try to go this entire time without mentioning Okami. I'm Joshua Garrity, and you can find me at Kane and Rince and Gonzo Planet. I am Darren Goggett. You may uh, know me as Desmond, uh, formerly of the IDKFA podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm sort of a freelance dude now. I, I am over at KaneandRince.com every now and again. And I am James Batchelor. I am the co-host at Game Burst, a twice-weekly games podcast. I also produce the Nintendo Difference, which is a monthly audio column for Gonzo Planet. I'm Gary Bauer from Game Burst and Big Red Potion. Uh, I'm Leah Haydu. You can find me on GamerDork.net, and I also host uh, GamerDork Rerolled. And occasionally, if I get off my ass, I write things for Gonzo Planet. Okay, so I'm going to ask three core questions. One, what about this game makes you happy? Two, what about this game makes you unhappy? And three, what would you like to see Nintendo do with the series in the future?
What about Skyward Sword makes you happy? I'm a gamer of moments, special moments within a game that I look back at and think, that's why that game was special to me. And what Skyward Sword did was have loads of those moments for me personally. One of those moments, for example, is when you first bump into Zelda and she's playing her harp and singing and the soundtrack was so perfect and the art design was so whimsical and just Zelda's face when she sees you and and her smile and it was just a really charming moment that really touched me um, when you first fly your bird and Zelda's really impressed with you winning the race it's all these little things uh, that really touched me um, also Zelda as a character while we're on that uh, subject it was really well fleshed out she was likeable uh, she was charming but she was also tough when she needed to be um, and I've never Never before in a Zelda game has saving Zelda been my primary motivation for actually completing the game. Before it was just, oh, I want to, you know, have fun, and oh, I want to sail the ocean, or oh, I want to fight big boss battles. But in this game, I wanted to save her because I cared about her. Um, also, the main antagonist, um, I cannot pronounce his name, uh, the Demon Lord, I'll just call him for now. Garahim? Garahim, something like that. Um, he was kind of a nice change of pace for a villain in a Zelda game because um, Ganondorf's quite intimidating and big and powerful, whereas um, he, wasn't, he wasn't intimidating. He was more unsettling and creepy, which I found really quite interesting. Um, also, I mentioned it before, but the soundtrack is absolutely spectacular um when you go to the title screen and you hear great fairy fountain but fully orchestrated in a way that you haven't heard it before it just it it takes you back to the previous zelda games and all the fun you've had with them and and visually i think it's possibly the best looking game on the wii um, it takes advantage of the fact that, no, the Wii can't make photorealistic graphics, but it ca- if you have a painterly style, have something that looks colourful and, and, and joyful, uh, th- then it will work. And also, the temples um, are possibly some of the best game design I've seen in a long time. Uh, particularly memorable is the final temple, which... It's, I'm not going to spoil it for people, but just think Rubik's Cube and you'll have some idea of what that temple involves. It just combines all these things together in a way that, yes, it does have weaknesses, but all these strengths come together to make something that I won't soon forget anytime soon. Okay, so what made me happy about Skyward Sword? Um... I guess the beginning of the game left a really, really good impression on me. Um, while it was really, it, I, it's not really stretched out. It is long, but I feel it's kind of necessary for the setup of the, the entire game and the pace the game sets. Because it took about 40 hours for me to finish. So to have an hour and a half inside Skyloft, it sort of really sets the tone for you as Link and your friend Zelda, which we've never seen before. We've never seen that connection. But sure, they've always met and they've gone, oh, Link, oh, Zelda, hey, yeah, oh, no, I've been kidnapped. I've... 
now it's like they, they're like friends and there's a little bit of sexual tension there with um with Groose as well he's a bit jealous I think his name's Groose and um yeah and there's this little like dynamic going on between these three characters and then you know Groose is like little sidekicks who think they're all rough and tough and hard and stuff um but yeah it's you felt it more you felt the impact more when Zelda was you know taken away from you and I, when I say taken away from you I, I genuinely mean it because you feel like not that she's yours and you're some sort of like boiler bunny dude but like you feel like she's your mate and you know there's always a chance of you getting together if you know what I mean and it, it sounds really weird to say that because there's a video game avatar on the screen but yeah the the, the opening area while Skyloft itself doesn't leave a, a massive impression on you as a as a village okay so Skyloft itself isn't an impressive town to run around in but the stuff that happens within the town really gets you connected to the world and yeah like I said earlier it might take a little while to get into it but I really feel like it, it you know it really it sets the pace for the game and you, you sort of understand the consequences and what you're getting into um what else did I like about Skyward Sword um, it's, it's a longer list than what I didn't like about it uh, the combat while I liked it uh, I found uh, I found by the end of the game I couldn't do another Zelda game with these controls. Now that's sort of a bit of a you know that's a like, like a like and a didn't like, um, but I'm going to put it in the like section for now because it really changed up how you played a Zelda game. That first boss oh, that should have that should have been in the didn't didn't like section. The first boss took me God knows how long, and while at the time I was frustrated and I didn't like it, it really really um, un- helped me understand how to. Um, how to use the system and it's sort of like a ninja garden thing on the in the first xbox game if you went to if you went to get past his boss there's there's no chance in hell you're going to play the rest of the game and i think that's what skyward sword did and while it sort of may have alienated some people like ninja garden did back on the xbox days uh, it definitely trained you up for the rest of the game and from there on out i had no problems whatsoever just just the overall arching narrative throughout the whole thing i, re- I really found it impressive it felt more severe felt more serious than any Zelda game before like Zelda games in the past their overworld sort of felt like well like, like a vessel which probably was you know like a hub whereas now with um with Skyward Sword it genuinely the whole thing feels like a big world as opposed to you know this is the this is the blob in the middle and I'm going down the branching paths it, it genuinely felt more of a cohesive world and the soundtrack is genuinely one of the most exciting things about the game and you know that's not to take away anything from the gameplay and the uh, the exploration and stuff like that but to have a genuinely dynamic orchestrated uh, soundtrack from start to finish was just something I've never heard before in a Zelda game and they obviously remixed various themes from older games and they added new ones and it manages to not completely remix what the game's about which I know is what people were expecting from the series they're like oh Zelda hasn't changed enough and that's why I don't play Zelda and that's fine like I feel like if you're going to be a Zelda game, then you need to stick to the Zelda traditions. While, sure, you can mix things up, and I, I feel like they have in Skyward Sword. You, you know, you can mix things up, that's fine, but don't stray away from what makes Zelda the core fundamentals of Zelda, which makes it great. And uh, by that, I mean, I feel like the overworld and the outdoor areas were integrated within the dungeon very seamlessly. Uh, there were times where you'd get a, a key item out in the, in the open world, and, you know, rather than in a dungeon. That felt different in a way like oh I've, I found a boomerang oh there's no boomerang in the game but for example I found a boomerang outside and that just felt like a, bit, a little bit different and yeah I, I, I like the way they structured the um, the dungeons they weren't when you were getting in there you weren't too sure how big they were going to be whereas before in a Zelda game you were in it for the long haul 
And I feel like now they've sort of integrated the the open door sections, the outdoor sections, in with the dungeon, and it doesn't make it so obvious that you're in a dungeon for an hour. You might spend half an hour outside and half an hour inside, but together they combine an hour dungeon. And I think by doing that, they've sort of they've tricked you into thinking that you haven't done an hour's worth of gameplay. Just little things like that just sort of make the game a bit more interesting than what I thought, to be honest. I think the biggest thing, and this is this is kind of weird for me, but the biggest thing that really struck me about Skyward Sword was that it is literally the first game on the Wii that I have played that made me want to use the motion controls. This game, it, it blew me away how well they worked. And, I, it, you know, it, it doesn't always function spot on perfectly the first time but they have made provisions for that you know you can recenter your your motion plus at any time you can uh you can calibrate everything they kind of take it for granted that since you're going to be swinging this remote around a lot it might come out of sync a little bit so they give you an easy way to fix that but it in everything that you do in the fights where you have to direct your swings in flying the bird and then later on flying your your little beetle uh you you have to tilt your Wii remote in a, a specific way, and that that all works just so well. I really love the bow and arrow part, um, where you know it, they they actually kind of pull it like you're doing a bow and arrow. You know, you pull back your uh, your nunchuck and then let go your your Z button. There is that the Z button? It's the C button if you're using the chuck. Okay, yeah, C button then. Being able to mime those motions and have them work and have them show up on screen like like they would if you were actually completing these motions. It doesn't work that way in a lot of other games, in any other games that I've played. Uh, and I mean, I, I've you know, heard a lot of people get really up in arms about Wii Sports Resort, which I've never played, so still, you know, kind of uh, applies for me that this is the only one. But I, that, I think that's the thing that's really stuck with me the most. And there's tons of other stuff. Like, being, being a Zelda fan myself... I really enjoyed the story as well. Um, this is supposedly where everything started off, so it's really neat to see how they pulled everything together and how uh, the beginning of everything supposedly took place. The way that they use Zelda in this, in a lot of the, uh, the Zelda titles, particularly the earlier ones, but even some of the later ones, she's not really a character per se. She's there... But she's not, she's not an integral part of the storyline. In this one, she has her own quest. She's going off and doing things completely on the other side of what you as Link are doing. And she, um, she doesn't just exist as an object or as a motive for you to keep going. Yes, she is that in part because you want to go save her. But she's also got this incredibly important role of her own to fulfill. And it kind of stands as the reason that she's even involved in any of the other later games. So you've not only got the setup, you've also got the setup for her as an actual character and as an important thing to Link and to this entire world. So I really, really, really enjoyed what they did with Zelda like that. Um, the art style is absolutely fabulous. Uh, it's it, it's not a question of how many pixels you can fit into here. It's Nintendo realizing that, yeah, you know, this is not a high-definition system. This is not something that we can compete with... Um, Final Fantasy 13 style graphics and, you know, be super hyper realistic and, and make everybody, uh, 
just gape in amazement, but what they did with it is something that's really well suited to the platform that it's on. Instead of being completely, um, completely graphically impressive, it is graphically impressive in a different way because it's kind of an impressionistic thing where everything kind of blends together and it fits the world really well, I thought. Um, it makes everything look kind of fairy tale-ish, which is, you know, really what you want in an origin story. You know, this is, this is a fairy tale. This is the fairy tale of of Hyrule and it's not Hyrule in this obviously but it's the uh it's kind of the fairy tale of how all of this got started. So I felt that the the art style really did um really did suit it in that way. Uh so let's see. Uh talked about Zelda, talked about controls. Um the temples are occasionally frustrating but ultimately rewarding. Um that's not a problem that a lot of people have and something that has never really gotten to me has been that the Zelda formula is pretty much the same from game to game and it doesn't change a whole lot here overall uh, but what they have done with it and how you don't just go to, from temple to temple to temple but you go to a temple and then you come back to that temple later to do a different run through almost uh, isn't exactly what they've done before and yeah it's, it's pretty close but uh, I, I kind of enjoyed that as well the side quests actually were pretty neat as well. The side quests themselves, like the actual conceits behind them, where, you know, hey, can you go pick up a crystal ball for me? Hey, can you go do this completely menial task and take time out from going to save the world? Yeah, okay, that the, the setups behind them were not, not so great, but the side quests themselves I thought were actually kind of cool. Um, some... Uh, more so than others, but I, I really enjoyed that there was a reason to keep doing them because you could keep collecting these gratitude crystals and eventually I actually did all of them so I got the demon guy back to his uh, his human form because I just I kept wanting to do that and I oh the upgrade system I almost forgot to talk about that there are ways that you can get things to make your um, to make your weapons and your armor not your armor I guess but uh, your weapons and your gadgets better. And uh, you can get treasure badges that will make things drop faster. But some things, there's not a whole lot you can do. Like, there's one in particular, I think it's the bee larva, that you can only get in, like, three different places throughout the game. So you just really have to either farm for it or pay attention. But you don't have to do the crafting stuff, but you're going to have a much easier time if you do do the crafting stuff. There's an insect hunting mini game that you can use to get ingredients to make better potions. Uh, so... That kind of appealed to the I really like to collect things and will sometimes obsessively seek them outside of my personality. Um, but I, by the end of the game, I had all of my gear completely upgraded. I had awesome potions going into the last fight. And um, again, that's stuff that I didn't necessarily have to do, but I really liked what they did with the crafting system um, so that it was kind of a side thing. I, I That's something big for me is that I don't, usually like it if games push something like that down your throat like if you have to upgrade everything in order to even have a chance at survival I, that pisses me off I hate enforced collectibles because it's just it, it takes it takes something out of the flow of the game for me but with this you didn't have to collect anything if you didn't want to but you were going to run across stuff anyway so it kind of led you into it if that was something that you were into which as it turned out I was so I, I really really enjoyed the collectible system as well of course the music is always amazing in Zelda games and this one's no exception so that that made me happy I, I always enjoy 
even from the little pixelated tunes, I, I, I get happiness, but um, the orchestrated ones are so much better, and, and this has that. So I was happy. I found Skyward Sword to be uh, quite an uh, arresting game to look at. I thought it was beautifully done, considering the limitations of the hardware it was on. The, you, you know, you got the old cliche of it's on a Wii, so it must look rubbish, but it, I thought it looked sumptuous and colourful. Um, and even though it's not high definition, it, it, the art styles just made it stand out compared to a lot of adventure games on other platforms. It doesn't have that kind of muddy, uh, under-saturated look that seems to be the trend at the moment. I thought the, the initial story was engaging, and I know a lot of people didn't like the the opening of Skyward Sword. They found it quite slow, but I actually really enjoyed that. I, I thought it was nice to have that gentle beginning to the storytelling and, and quite a an emotional story I thought to start with as well you know that the sort of a little bit of sexual tension there which is not something you come across too often in a Zelda game I, I still think it, it you know even though I've um, I've not uh, I've not finished it I still think it is a very really pretty beautiful looking game Skirt and tights is standing And he pulls out a sword Then slowly spins it around And flashes kills natives And plants turn them into ash Purple dust so it lights up More natives and plants and natives They all look the same That's racist Scorpion with eyeballs in its claws Use your shield to deflect an acorn Use a vine to swing the crown Collide the plant balls and fuse the eyeball Blow an arrow Shoot it at a leaf And a bar bomb And, and someone's floating hard I'm a grapple claw At the audience Make it grab stuff And explode Goodbye grapple claw a flashing plant Under a happy tree No it's a dead tree Slingshots make bats disappear Use a whip to tear up people's hearts the need them stab a scorpion in the eye And a skeleton, and a scorpion, and another skeleton Swan dive into the blue More than I thought when I first started playing the game. I started out this game feeling much more irritated than I ended. One of the things that I think actually I'm most happy about is the motion controls, which I did not expect going into the game. They add a kind of novelty, which I feel like the series really needs. Getting new devices or new equipment and finding out ways that the motion controls allowed us to use them. I, I, had a, I enjoyed it. I would not be sad seeing them come back. Uh, what else did I like? I like the aesthetic, but it's, a ch- it's just a shame that it's kind of hidden behind all of the just really bad aliasing that this game has to deal with. Aliasing, for those who don't know, is often referred to as the Jaggies low resolution, which which is really a shame because behind all of that aliasing and jaggy SD stuff, the aesthetic they've chosen to go with is actually really nice looking. There's this great effect they have where stuff that's in the distance that would be kind of a little blurrier is sort of, it almost looks like a pointillism painting, but it's really hard to see that because it just looks like it's 
just blurry because of all of the aliasing, which is which is really a shame that the Wii's hardware does not let this aesthetic shine as much as it should. Anyway, we're talking about things that make us happy. Let me get let me go back. I really like Zelda in this particular game. I feel like there have only been a few of the uh, Legend of Zelda games where she's really been given a chance to shine as a character and not just as an objective, like another thing you're supposed to collect or find or rescue. I think Wind Waker was one of those, and I think Skyward Sword is definitely another one. Maybe the best one so far. And then just some of the standard Zelda stuff, like the dungeons, still very good. I think the last dungeon in particular is maybe one of the best ones I've seen in a Zelda game yet. Some of the bosses are phenomenal. The Silent Realm challenges, which for people who haven't played it, are these little uh, these little levels where you're taken to this spirit world or whatever, and you have to get around the area that you've previously known. It's collecting little bits of your spirit or whatever they are, whatever they are. Collecting pickups. Yeah, it's basically collecting pickups, and every time you pick up a new one, you have 90 seconds to get to the next one, or you're going to alert these like guardian spirit type things that are going to come try to one hit kill you, make you fail, and if you alert them while you're moving around the world, they're going to come after you. It really creates this great tension and kind of like urgency throughout that those turned into some of the most fun, exciting parts of the game for me. I mean, I'm going to be complaining about a lot of things about this game later, but there actually are a lot of things still to like about Skyward Sword, and I I would not ever try to say that there aren't. This game was the one that, that let me down the most and put me off the series. But there was still a lot of things I liked. People seem to think that I hated this game. There were so many things I liked. I liked the combat. The combat was absolutely brilliant. Like the motion controls, the sword play. It was it was a relief, if anything, because I played a, um, a demo just after E3. Nintendo do a showcase in the UK for those who don't get to go to E3. I played the demo there that had been you know shown off in um, LA, and. I was so worried because the the controls weren't responsive. It was it was all set in the first temple, and like the skull shoulders where you have to you know slash to the side to turn them around and then stab them in that you know the purple weak spot. Purple weak spot is our helmet cover band. That didn't work on the demo I played, and when I played it actually you know at home, it finally worked properly. So you know I, I was quite relieved about that. The the sword play was fantastic, particularly when you're against. Um, proper sword-based enemies, not necessarily ones that just, you know, move their weapons to defend where you're going, but like the bosses and so forth, and, and larger bad guys, when you're actually trying to properly battle them, it felt really good. I'd even say, like, kind of more so than Skyrim. Skyrim, Skyrim you're just hack and slashing. Whereas, you know, whereas this, you're actually trying to think, right, what angle do I need to put my sword at? Um, the rest of the motion co- controls were good. Um, I thought that the things like rolling a bomb and throwing a bomb would be a bit gimmicky, but it actually was quite satisfying. When you throw a bomb and it lands in a pot and it's like, yes, nailed it, I've got that shot. I liked what they did with the levels. The first time I visited each of the three zones, I really liked them. I thought, you know what, these are so much more complex and, and so much more interesting than previous Zelda areas. Previous Zelda areas are usually just a field, a wood. These were like... Um, a friend of mine described them as miniature dungeons in themselves. You have to solve how you can navigate them to get to the temple that you're trying to get to. Mm. Eventually, that turned out to be one of the things that I got annoyed by, but I quite like that. And I almost, I almost respect Nintendo for the way that they were able to recycle those environments and keep them fresh. I'm not going to say the general plot, because the general plot was um, uninspiring. Some of the ties to the series. So the notion that this is the first... Link, this is the first Heroes, and you see some of the seeds being sown for the rest of the series. So, obviously, we, you know, a certain weapon gets forged. We now understand why there is a bird on the Hylian shield. Simple things like uh, Zelda's dad is Gabora, 
which is the name of the owl from Ocarina of Time. Just little, oh, gosh, didn't catch that. little things like that I really liked, and it kind of it, it reminded me why I loved these games. Yeah, that stuff was nice. The trouble was there were a number of things that I didn't like, and that kind of soured the overall experience. about Skyward Sword made you unhappy? It's a bit inconsistent in terms of design. What I mean by that is it feels like it's trying to be accessible to people that aren't maybe familiar with the franchise, but at the same time, its temples are some of the most difficult and puzzling temples in the entire franchise. It's like it's trying to aim at both audiences at, at once, and it kind of gets a bit confused about who it's really targeting. I think that's where it really falls down. Also, Fee is very, very patronizing. Uh, she treats you like a small child, uh, which annoys me. She's more annoying than Navi, which is saying something. And also, the swimming can go away. Please do never, never have motion control swimming in a game ever. Don't do it. It was frustrating, it was never fun, just no, bad. I've played quite a lot of Zelda games, and, and most of them I really enjoy, but I really didn't like Twilight Princess, and I'm wondering whether it's the same issues I had with Twilight Princess or not, but I just found it had these obscene difficulty spikes. Pretty, you know, I, I, I enjoy the sort of ebb and flow of a Zelda game, I like the structure, I like the fact you... You know, I, I kind of like the uniformity, which is again something people criticise. You know, you go somewhere, you do something to unlock a door, you go in the dungeon, you clear the dungeon, you come out and you go and do something else. And it's a fairly linear, linear story, sort of peppered with side quests. And and in other Zelda titles, I've really enjoyed that aspect of it. I mean, in particular, um, in Wind Waker and um, probably my my favourite of uh, recent years, which was um, uh, Spirit Tracks, which I really enjoyed. But I just found, certainly, I mean, I, I, I said I've probably got about a third of the way through something like that. But I just found these, there was occasionally these obscene difficulty spikes. In particular, the the first boss battle just had me swearing and cursing, and I had to walk away from it three times because I was just getting so mad with it. It just seemed largely based on luck rather than any kind of skill as to whether you progress with it. Because the even with Wii Motion Plus, the, the the kind of built-in inaccuracy of the technology didn't allow you to achieve what the game was expecting you to be able to do, and I just found that infuriating. Up until that point, um, there were a couple of other little spikes, but up until that point, it was a relatively linear progression, but as soon as you, you hit that, it was like, my God, this is a completely different challenge altogether. I also found that, I don't know whether it's through a lack of playtesting or what, but I also found that um, there was a complete lack of direction in places. Other, most of the time you're in a Zelda game, you're held by the hand and you're pointed in whichever direction you're supposed to go. It's like, you know, here you go, this is your next place you should go to. And it's the opposite of something like, you know, um, an Elder Scrolls game where you just go and do whatever you like. You know, you just sort of wander around and muddle through and come across things. I mean, Zelda tends to be quite a focused experience. You do this, you do that, and there's these other things you can do as well. But at times I've, I've found, um, with Skyward Sword that, I would be sitting there thinking, what am I doing again? Where am I supposed to be going? And you bring up that funny little 
digital avatar thing and she would screech at you use your pointy thing to detect something and you think well yeah that's all well and good but why am I doing this again <laughs> where am I supposed to be going it just seemed to it just seemed to lack any kind of at times it just seemed to seem to assume you knew what you were supposed to be doing and at other times it would be spoon feeding you every step of the way and it there just seemed to be an imbalance between those two things so you got to the earth temple and then just stopped what was the main reason I think, I mean, I, I didn't stop because I wasn't enjoying it, which sounds a bit weird, but um, I stopped because, for two reasons, really. One, there were a lot of other games that I had parked uh, to play Zelda, and I felt at that point that I was starting to lose a bit of interest and starting to get a little bit frustrated with the way, with the difficulty spikes, as I said. And um, there were a couple of times in the Earth Temple, the bosses in the Earth Temple wasn't, wasn't as bad, but a couple of times where I just I was just getting to the point of thinking I'm just not in the right mood for this. So I'd also just finished playing Skyrim. So again, playing back to back RPGs. I know Zelda's not really an RPG, but it's a very similar construct. Um, playing back to those back to back was probably too much, and I needed I really needed to play something else. Uh, and in fact, um, after sort of doubling around with a few games, I've actually been playing Tropico 4 pretty much non-stop for about two weeks. So I clearly needed something completely different. So it doesn't mean I won't go back to playing it, but it just, it, I think what it says is it probably wasn't as engaging, uh, in terms of story, um, and gameplay for me to continue with it at that point. But I'm sure I will go back. It's not the first time I've, I've done that with a Zelda game. Wind, Wind Waker, I stopped about halfway through and then, went back to it about two years later and, and played all the way through actually beginning to end so I think sometimes you just have to be in the right mood for a, for a Zelda game and Zelda games have to have that little spark of interest for me to sort of play them through from beginning to end and um, the only I mean the only sort of two or three that I have done that with were the two N64 games particularly Majora's Mask and then Spirit Tracks which for whatever reason they just captured my interest from beginning to end one of the major problems also um which I was just thinking about now is that um, it kind of was released at the wrong time as well because it, it sort of was put out in such a busy uh, release window, so you know the peak of the year, and up against two or three massive other titles that, again, it's always, it was always going to compete for my time against those games as well. And I think that's been a mistake with several of the significant Zelda's over the past few years, and probably another reason why myself and probably others like me will. We'll either play it again at a later date, or we'll drop out halfway through now and never go back to it. Never go back to it. I have I have trouble with the fact that Nintendo seems to assume that every time you pick up a Zelda game, you have never ever played a Zelda game before in your life. I really wish that there was some kind of option to say, "Yes, I've done this before. I know exactly what I'm doing. You really don't have to teach me how to Z-target something. I I am aware of how to speak to people. I'm aware that eventually I will have a sword." Uh I, I mean, it would just be nice if they would not necessarily assume that yes you've played a Zelda game before, but at least give you the option to not be completely treated like a moron or a brand new person to gaming every time you step into a Zelda game. Also agree that uh, Fee or Fi or however you want to talk about her, um, I she can die in a fire. She um, she really really bugged me because 
it, it's the same thing. Everything she says is like you've never seen this before in your life. Every time you pick something up, it's I have never seen this object before in my life. But you are going to tell me exactly where it goes in my inventory and exactly what it is and why it's important or why it's not important in some cases. Yeah, I know that's an amber relic. I know they're very common. I have 90 of them. Thank you. You can stop now. So yeah, it's that I find I find the um, complete lack of belief that you can actually learn anything from previous Zelda games, or in fact from this Zelda game, extremely annoying and something that I really wish Nintendo would would have figured out is obnoxious. It's a strange situation with Scarlet Sword because people want the game, the, the, the whole Zelda franchise, to evolve into something that they can't even comprehend that they want you know they want it to be so what made me unhappy with Skyward Sword are things that I weren't really expecting to be in the game in the first place for example the the upgrade system in the, in the bazaar while the music in the bazaar and the actual look and feel of it was great I feel like the things inside there weren't really necessary and while you could go in there and upgrade your bits and bobs you know and your shield and your, your beetle and stuff I didn't really feel it was necessary for the progression of the game um so when I when I walked in there and I realised I could upgrade my beetle to a faster beetle, I thought to myself, well, what's the point? And then when I put in some effort to try and get these upgrades for the beetle upgrade, for example, I mean the, the items for the beetle upgrade, sorry, uh, I found that it was, it was far too laborious, uh, too much of a chore, and every time I picked up one of these little items, it'd tell me what it was every single time. And it's just, it's, it's the same thing with Nintendo. They did it with Mario Galaxy 2, they... They offer you the best in game design, but when it comes to the things around it, the fluff and the bits and bobs, they sort of bundle it on thick. So my example with Mario Galaxy 2 would be, when you finish the game, you get to play as Luigi and collect green stars. And every time you slip to the level, it'd do the same comet noise at you. And it's only a little tiny thing, but it's that little tiny thing that gets in the way and it really puts you off. And for Skyward Sword, it'd be... It'd be the, you know, every time you pick up the, the little blob from the blob enemies, be like, oh, this is a blob. You can do blob things with it. You're like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you've told me that 50 times. And it goes into the inventory, and you can see that you've got 49 of them in your inventory. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm not four years old anymore. Like, Nintendo needed to put some sort of, um, you know, how well-versed are you in the English language? Um, very well-versed. Might not sound it, but I am. And, uh, oh, yeah, I don't need to read these things over and over and over again. Could have done away with me going back to the same three areas. I, I know they expanded upon it each time we went back, but I felt like they shortchanged me in surface area by going back to the, the red column, going back to the yellow column, back to the green column. It's just like, how about we have a blue one? Like, do you know what I mean? It's, I know it sounds a bit, you know, cliche to have another primary colour column, but it'd be nice to just go somewhere different, um, entirely different, rather than going back to the desert, back to the forest, back to the, um, oh Jesus, the, the volcano area. There we go. So if there was another thing I didn't like about Zelda Skyward Sword was the swimming, and this sort of links into the repeated nature of the, the locations that we went to. There was a, The swimming by itself wasn't very satisfying, uh, especially when you compare it to the rest of the game's uh, control scheme. And then you get to the one point in the game, and you're forced to swim. Uh, you're forced to swim in, in a certain area that's flooded because you know that's what happens in games. And uh, and then you, you're 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 tasked to find these little minute things in the water, and those two things combined together just weren't very uh, just weren't very exciting for the player to uh, to navigate around. I feel like with that with that swimming section in particular, they could they could have given you the dousing 
ability a bit quicker than what they did. It was like, oh, you've got five left. Now you can douse for him. You're like, you fuck. Why don't you just give me that to the, at the start? That's what links to what you were saying uh, the other week. It's like, like, you keep doing these things for people, but they're really reluctant in helping you out. And that's a prime example of it. Like, oh, you can now douse for these things. And if people don't know what the dousing is, it's a mechanic in the game where you can go into first-person mode and look for th- certain things that you selected from a menu. And, yeah, I always feel they give you that a little bit too late. And the swimming section in particular was, like, I just, just uh, you know, it just felt like they were just taking the piss out of you, but then other things that I didn't like, <laughs> the more I think about it, was the tightrope mechanic. They could have done away with that, you know, while you were bouncing up and down on the rope. Uh, there were cool things to do, like knocking an enemy off and, you know, dangling off it and stuff. Um, the actual gesture of holding the Wii Remote like a, like a joystick was just, it just didn't feel like you were Link on a rope. It just felt like you were there sort of holding nothing. It, well, not holding nothing, but it just felt, it didn't feel like, the whole game is based upon you trying to feel like Link with the sword and the shield. And that's fine, like the nunchuck and the shield and the, the Wii Remote and the sword. But when you're on this tightrope and you're holding the Wii Remote upwards to the ceiling like that doesn't represent anything that Link's doing on the screen maybe they could have had Link get the sword out in his hand uh, like horizontally and you'd have to balance with the sword in his hands or something like that just to, just to represent or maybe replicate what happens in like um, in a circus when they're tightrope walking and they have the stick in their hands and you know that helps them balance maybe he could do it with his sword it might sound a bit cheesy but it sounds a ton better than um, holding the Wii Remote upright just because that's the way they tell you to do it it's just Little things like that just sort of pull you out of the experience a little bit more than what I was expecting again. Hey teacher, looking for a great flying dragon. How'd you get to hook me up? I can help you. To stop him in midair, you must learn the flying spin attack. I will teach it to your bird. Thanks, man. That's just what I needed to carry on with the quest. There. The bird is taught. Cool. Okay, I'm off to go talk to that dragon. Wait! The flying spin attack is an extremely dangerous maneuver. Only the most experienced of Loftwing pilots may learn it. Well, I'm pretty experienced. Besides which, it's the exact same principle as the standard aerial speed boost, and identical to the swimming spin attack. I'm sure I'm going to pick it up. No, you must first prove yourself a master by hitting ten targets in 120 seconds. You... you're kidding. Only then will you be ready. I'm ready now. The bird's been taught. I'm short on time. The flying controls are imprecise under time pressure, and I'm pretty sure this challenge is actually going to be harder than catching the dragon itself. This seems like pointless busy work or an optional minigame that I should be playing for rupees, not a quest-dependent time trial hoop jump. You must hit ten targets in 120 seconds. If you hit nine, I shall fail you on this. And you will have to do it again, and again, and again, and again, until you pass the carnival game challenge. I'm not going to hit your goddamn targets! I don't need your permission, man! There's a world to save here! Go! Hit the targets! I must justify my paycheck! I'm going to creep into your room at night and put giant scorpion eggs in your bed. Now it's 20 targets. For fuck's sake. You mess with the bull, son, you get the horns. What frustrated me the most was the fact that it never let you actually play it. I can accept that the first two hours is, you know, constant, oh, you need to go here, you need to go here, you need to go here, just talking, just getting you to know the characters and so forth, and constantly having to scroll through text. I know people keep on saying, we're beyond text now, surely we can get rid of text, but I'm, I'm fine with that. The, the amount of voice acting that the game would need, the, I, it doesn't need to be voice acted completely, but they need to let you scroll that text quicker or skip quicker because I'd read it in, I'd read most of it before it even, you know, let me skip, you know, skip to the next box. The game never lets you off the leash and it never lets you play. Zelda games generally, 
point you in the direction of the uh, first temple or, or any temple, put you in the area where the temple is and say, right, go find the temple. When you find the temple, you have to work out how to get into it. You have to work out all the way at the end. Then you get to the boss. At the end of the boss, they say, right, next temple is over here. They might guide you a bit to the next area and then they leave you in the area and say, right, now find that second temple. This leads you by the hand all the way through the game. Largely thanks to, and I know that people hate Navi, but this guide, Mistress Fee, is the most irritating Zelda guide ever created in the series. The the quirky, I calculate a 90% probability that you need to open that door, was quite amusing at the start. By the end, it was just frustrating. Generally, in, like, in previous Zelda games, they're always kind of, if you walk into a room, the camera shows you the door with a lock on it. It shows you a chest where the key is. It shows you a bridge that needs raising to get to the key. In this game, it does that, and then it says, I calculate a 72% possibility that you need to open the door with the key by raising that bridge. Just shut up and let me play. I've done this before. I know what I'm doing. I've completed almost every Zelda game ever created. I know what I'm doing. You can go away now. And But she doesn't. She's always there. The one time they actually let you go out of order and say, right, because um, Ocarina of Time... I think it's the only game that I know of that I've actually played where you can actually go to the temples in different orders. Generally, people always do the same order, but you can just go to the temples in different orders if you want. This one, the one time it actually lets you do that, when you're searching for the parts of the Song of the Hero, and you're allowed to go to the desert area, the fire area, or the wood area, the one place where they actually let you choose where to go first is the one place where the game is broken, because if you go to the desert area first, you break the game. And that's just not good enough. That's not good enough. The fact that there were only three areas really irritated me. The first time you visit each of them, you think, wow, this is brilliant. This is just what I want. This is another Zelda world. And I'm really happy to be exploring this. And then when you've finished, you think, well, hang on. The now I'm being taken back to the woods. And now I'm being taken back to the volcano. And now I'm back to the... De- where's, where's the field that connects them? Where's the lake area? Where's the mountains area? You know, like, wh- why are there no other areas, just three? They did a great job of kind of recycling them and giving you something different to do. The woods one, for example, you know, the first time round you've got to find these little flower, kiwi, bird things. Then the second time you've got to do, you do a silent realm challenge and you've got, and then you find the lake and you have to do all that area. Although during that point, they actually send you to redo the first temple completely. Now that's just lazy. Getting you to redo the first temple is really sodding lazy. The third time they flooded it. It's like, okay, yeah, great. This, the, the whole level takes on a different kind of thing, a, a different kind of uh, structure. But it's still the same level. Why am I doing this the same time over and over again? Worst part of recycling is the the boss called the Imprisoned. Yes, the big teethy thing. You fight it the first the Colossus. Time. The Colossus. The first time you fight it, fine. I knew I was going to have to fight that. It's in the trailer. It's a big baddie. I'm probably going to have to fight it maybe one more time at the very end. No, no. They make you fight it about two hours after you first fought it. Now it's got legs. Now it's got legs. Oh, exactly. Now it's got arms, and then it gets a tail. Yeah, exactly. The second time you fight it, I think okay, right, fine. Maybe, you know, that's it. That's kind of the halfway point, and then I'll fight it at the very end. After you fight it, I then went to... I got told I have to find the bits of the Song of the Hero. I thought, right, okay, I'll go back to the woods first. As soon When you go back to the woods first, you have to fight the bloody thing again. I fought that thing twice in about an hour, 
And all of the time, it's the most annoying boss battle ever. You can't catch up to the bugger because it runs the stamina meter. What the hell was the point in the stamina meter? It's ever so slightly less than you need, always. Yeah, exactly. Like the original Grand Theft Auto 3, it always seemed to be getting exhausted just when you needed to be running. Exactly, exactly. You're supposed to basically uh, relay between the the, the little green stamina boosters. Yeah, but even when you do, even when you do, the top speed of him running isn't fast enough to catch up with the imprisoned as it wriggles up the um, hill on its belly. The joy of a, a Zelda plot is that there reaches a point where you really understand what the game is about. Ocarina of Time, you're a young boy from the forest, you're sent to meet the princess, the princess says, oh, I need to get you, you to get these three stones, and then we can stop the evil bad guy getting the Triforce. At that point, when you have the three stones, he actually gets the Triforce, and you go travel in time seven years to the future, where the world is ended, and it's like, this is the game. That was just the warm-up, this is the game. You now have to rescue this world from the clutches of this evil man. Wind Waker, you have to um, go around and get the pearls from the dungeons to raise the Temple of the Gods. There, you are told that actually the great ocean hides something underneath it, and the whole perspective of the world changes. There was never that point in Skyward Sword. The plot never really got going. The start with, to start with, you're just chasing Zelda, but you never catch her. Then you're sent to get three things but you don't know why, just because you've been told to. Then you're sent to get three more things, just because you've been told to. And then at the very end, they actually say, right, this is what it's all about. And when they tell you, it's like, well, I kind of gathered that. I didn't really, that doesn't really change anything. There's just, it's so uninspired. You don't, you don't feel like you want to save this world. The side quests annoyed me because a friend of mine said, you will love this. It's just like Majora's Mask, a central town, central characters you spend a lot of time with, and you're helping them with their problems. And I thought, that sounds amazing. I'm well up for that. A combination, I, I mean, I already viewed this game as a kind of combination between Wind Waker and previous Elvis. If it's a Wind Waker-Majora's combination, there you have in, you know, that, that formula there is my perfect Zelda game. So I went and helped the people. In Majora's Mask, you help a little girl who's brainwashed by aliens... Uh, a man who's, who gave up his business for, uh, for um, fame and ended up bankrupt and had no money. A mayor who's struggling to you know, calm a city that's, that's worried about you know, the moon crashing. A couple that are engaged, uh, sorry, the man in the couple has been cursed and can't see his fiancée just as the world is ending. Such really personal, deeply emotional problems for you to solve. And you feel gratification when you bring these people together. In this one, I was buying a stamina potion for a nerd who's trying to work out so he can be like me. I was dusting someone's house. I was trying to find a rattle for a baby so that she would shut up and sleep. And I was finding a crystal ball because the the fortune teller dropped it off the skyloft. And it's like, this this is not side quests. This is doing chores. And I didn't do... I'm told there are better quests, but I didn't find them. The bit with the crystal ball, I, I mentioned this on Gamer Dork already, the, um, I had spotted what would probably be a replacement crystal ball way early in the game. You, you know where you ended up getting it from, the outside the fire temple. I, did, I didn't do it in the end. I did what? not bother in the end. I, I, I figured it out and I thought, right, okay, I'm going to get that crystal ball. Just whatever the hell you do, do not tell me where it is, because I want this one thing to be a thing that I got from my own you know, remembering stuff. And they 
fucking told me. They were yeah. like, you should probably go to a really hot place. It's exactly. You know? And that's my point. It leaves you by the hand in absolutely everything. It doesn't let no you work things out yourself. No required. No, absolutely. You can play this game. It can play itself. You're just, you're just, you just happen to be there. It's very, it's almost like those theme parks where you go along and the animatronics are working and you just press a button to start them up again. You're not actually doing anything. You're just pressing the button that activates the animatronics and that activates the display. You're not actually taking part. You're not interacting with it. And that is what irritated me the most. And yet the fact that some of the puzzles or some of the sections were so frustrating and actually really quite tricky to me was not in line with the hold you by the hand, treat you like a, not only a child, but a remedial child mm. the whole way through. It was, it was like surely the people that they are expecting cannot cope without being, having, having their hands held could not beat those two final bosses. Yeah. The whole game kind of felt like it was, it was padded out. You would, there was always something else that you had to do. Not because it was trying to keep the gameplay fresh, just to stop you from progressing too quickly. So the woods specifically, when you, um, when you go to the woods, you can't just go to the next temple and find the first thing you've got to find. You've got to do a Silent Realm challenge. Then you've well, first you've got to find the Silent Realm challenge. Then you've got to do the Silent Realm challenge. Then that gives you a gift that lets you swim, you know, swim under things, and you can go to the top of the tree. When you get to the top of the tree, the, some, someone tells you, right now you need to go and see this person. You go and see that person. He says, right, I'm not going to help you until you get this for me. That's when you go back and redo the first temple, which is an hour more than I needed to bloody do. You then go back to them and they say, right, this is where the temple is. And it's like, I'm sorry, that's taken me three hours just to get to a temple. And none of that is fun. It just feels like a chore. It feels laborious and it's like it's preventing me. It's not letting me say, right, go and find that temple. It's saying, ah, oh, no, you've got to do this. Then you've got to do this. Then you've got to do this. It's almost like the convoluted ruses that people come up with to distract people from um, surprise parties. They're trying to keep me out of the temple for too long because they've not set it up yet. Not everyone's in place ready to shout surprise. Dan, in contrast to your point of view on the Silent Realms, those were for me the most frustrating, head-bashing moments in the entire game. I hated every second I was in those Silent Realms. Uh, mainly down to the fact that I don't believe Link, at least the way he was controlled there, is equipped for action scenarios where it's time-based. The Zelda games, and I came to this conclusion while I was playing it, have more in common with Portal than they do with, say, Assassin's Creed or, or another Mario game where it really is about your skill in jumping and, and, and exactly where you're going to go. It's, it's more about you know looking around the room and going, well, I'm supposed to be up there. There is a button over there which if I press... If I stand here and press this thing here and use this item here, then with absolutely no real skill on my part, I will get up to that area. But when Link is finally called upon to move his feet because he is going to get buggered by evil ghosts with, with swords that will kill him in one hit, he can't do it. And I spent, you know, when time was running out, it was like going, time's running out, time's running out, and I was just trying to line up a jump, and the camera kept going, I'm just going to look over here, so Link jumps out into space. And those sections, I ended up screaming at Link, going, you are useless, you are useless for your soul intended task! I can fully understand, and I can fully understand other people not enjoying it as well. Even as I was playing them and kind of enjoying them, I was thinking, is this actually good, or is... Well, like, would other people enjoy this? Or I, I know why I liked it is because, it, like, I, I I agree with you. Like, Link isn't really equipped for that task with the controls they've given us. But it was a time in the game where I was, my attention was 100% there, and there was like an, just uh, that sense of urgency. Is oh man, I'm running out of time. I need to hurry. This is this is a tense sort of moment. And so it was exciting, which there is not 
a lot about the game that was really exciting to me. So I, I relished those moments. I think the thing that made me re- yell the most was there's at least three occasions in those silent runs where you have to push a box to get over to one of the little floaty sperm things. And um, Link, as usual, his push box and get on top of box are pretty much the same button depending on context. And he'd get up on top when he was supposed to be pushing and he'd push when he was supposed to be getting on top. And usually when some sort of ghost with a sword was bearing down on him and his pathetic like one foot jump just made me st- oh just Jesus Christ you can't jump any further than that <laughs> or they'd, they'd pull some really mean trick with wake water like you'd just be standing there and suddenly water would appear underneath you and be like where, where did that come from and suddenly everyone would be after your ass and it'd be like oh for God's sake if I never have to play another Twilight Realm again I will be very grateful world disappointed me i've already said like i was disappointed by the um the three areas and how they were recycled but the fact that they weren't connected to an overworld annoyed me i know the sky is meant to be an overworld but it didn't feel as connected to the bits below it as say a hyrule field was the whole point is that the hyrule is meant to feel like one world one seamless world that you can just go and explore and it's all connected. There was no sense that any of this was connected to each other. As far as I'm aware, those three areas could have been completely different nations, let alone just bits of Hyrule. But the Even worst... if they'd just given you a door that you could open in each area. To yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. Do you want to get through to land area? It's something just like, something like Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime was brilliant because it only had four or five areas. It didn't actually have an overworld, but there were doors at the end of each area that linked to one or maybe two of the other areas. Mm. Would have that's... given a sense of spatial wholeness. Yeah, that's what they needed. The closest equivalent I found was uh, Final Fantasy X, where they take away the notion of the airship actually just becomes a list of places. Do you want to go there? How about there? It's just a list of places mm. you've been, as opposed to actually flying around the world. It was a, this sudden disconnect from a series where you'd always been given an airship and always been given the chance to fly around the planet. Now, ironically, at this point, you actually were given an airship, but you weren't actually... a really above the planet you were just flying between three portals well it wouldn't have been so bad if the bit where you're flying around like you know the sky had actually been interesting so the like people hate people hated the wind wakers overworld in that it's just this vast ocean it takes bloody ages to get to any of the islands and people just didn't like it i loved it because as you're traveling you're always discovering something new there's always an island with a treasure chest or a pirate ship to battle or a reef that you've got to navigate to get to the middle and then there's another treasure chest there was literally nothing in the sky there was skyloft one town and which uh, yo, I'm of the opinion that an, an, any decent RPG needs to have at least three townsteads. You can't survive with just one. It needs to have at least three places to go, three different towns to go to. That's just what I like. This was literally a collection of rocks. It's just a collection of Most rocks. Most of which you couldn't actually land on. I tried. Yeah. Just you couldn't land on them, and if you did land on them, there'd be nothing on them. Yes, you've got the Off goddess cubes. treasure chest unless yeah. you were actually there on business. Yeah, you, you've got a, the goddess cubes unlocked treasure chest in the world. But then they're just sitting there. There's no challenge to actually go and get them. There ooh, was... ooh, and also completely pointless treasure chests sometimes. It's like, like near the end of the game, one of them that I could only just access opened up for me a, a goddess chest with a small quiver. Yeah. It's like, fuck you! I bought a small quiver hours ago and upgraded it to a big quiver. What the fuck was the point of 
that. Yeah. I always used to find that when I opened them, um, if I had a, a full wallet, guarantee I'd find the ones that had 100 rupees in. If I had to empty and I desperately needed rupees to buy more equipment, then... It'd give you a small bomb give you a small... That was another thing. Like, just... That comes down to the whole um, the text thing. Buying potion in any RPG should be quick because you just want to buy the yeah, potion and get out. Give me three of them, please. Three. Don't, ding, ding, ding. don't friggin' you know, tell you me. You haven't what... read my my story yet, have you? I haven't yet. Don't friggin' read tell it me. now. <laughs> What's it? Where, where 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 is it? What is it? Go to Gonzo Planet. It is called Orchestrated Restrictions. Kevin walked to his kitchen, bleary eyed and still half asleep. He moved towards the kettle and made to switch it on. Fiona was sat at his dining table. That's a kettle, she said. It can be used for boiling water. Thanks, Kevin muttered. He flicked the switch and began putting together his morning coffee. Three sugars this time. It was going to be a long day. You should probably think about going to work, Fiona said. Yep, Kevin replied. 8.30, same as every morning, but it's 7.45 now. I just want to drink my coffee. Fiona was silent, but out of the corner of his eye, Kevin could see her watching him intently. The morning sun was glorious as Kevin pedalled to work. The sky soared overhead, vast, clear and azure. He pumped his strong legs, feeling the wind in his face and smiling. Days like this made life thoroughly worth living. Fiona drew abreast of him on her own bike. You should probably think about going to work, she said. I'm on my way to work, Kevin shouted over the wind. I literally couldn't be going to work any more than I am right now. She fell silent again. Not hurt, she simply didn't have anything else to say. Same as every morning, Kevin stopped in at the deli just down the street from his office. Smiling at Gladys behind the counter, he gestured to the terrines of soup she had arranged, steaming on the counter before her. Uh, two cups of tomato to go, please, he said, gesturing at the gorgeous, thick and rich liquid. That's tomato soup, said Gladys. It's very tasty. You can put it in a cup if you want. Uh, I, I know. Kevin said quietly. Would you like to buy a cup for two pounds? I'd like two, please, Kevin muttered. She stared at him blankly. Um, oh, uh, yes, he said loudly. She allowed him to serve himself, and with his cup now full, Kevin stared at the soup in his hands in sheer amazement. This lasted a few moments until he realised he'd drunk the same thing 15 times that week and popped the cup into his bag. Would you like my husband to put insects in your soup for an additional fee? She asked. Uh, no. Just the other soup, please. He stared at Gladys expectantly. She stared back at him. One eye was creeping towards the centre of her nose. A thin trickle of drool hung from her lip. They stood for some moments. Uh, can I, uh, can I have my second cup of soup, please? Kevin asked. That's tomato soup, said Gladys. It's very tasty. You can put it in a cup if you want. Would you like to buy a cup for two pounds? Yes. Would you like my husband to put insects in your soup for an additional fee? Over in the corner, her husband was gibbering and shouting. In fact, the whole deli was a cacophony of bellows, whistles and guttural moans. Kevin backed out carefully, fully souped up. That's soup. I know. I've been taking notes as I was playing, and I wrote down a bunch of things that, uh, as they irritated me as I played. But looking at the list now, they really all boil down to two things. And it's the two things that I would often mutter at the game under my breath as I played. First one was, stop wasting my time. The second one is, you think I'm incredibly stupid. Let's talk about the stupidity thing first. Like it's already been said, there is no way I could be to this point of the game if I was as stupid as you are treating me right now. 
if I was really as stupid as you think I am, I would have not made it this far. I would have accidentally strangled myself with this Wii cord and died. <laughs> Nobody who is as stupid as you think I am has gotten to this point of the game. Why are you still treating me this... And it's weird how inconsistent the hand-holding is, too. Like has also already been said, it seems all the times when I actually know what I have to do is when they're hand-holding me along the way. And the times when I'm stuck or there's a puzzle that's tricky or there's some other thing that is that I can't figure out what to do, it's guaranteed the time they're not going to tell me. But really the thing that I think irritated me about this game from the very beginning, and I started getting past it, but it's still annoying me, was just the fact that I constantly felt like it was wasting my time. Like, weren't uh, the guys at Nintendo um, like boasting about how Skyward Sword was like the lengthiest Zelda adventure to date? I feel like I remember reading that somewhere. Yeah, they said that it was going to be 100 hours to complete it, and okay. 30 just to do the single-player campaign. All right, what they didn't tell you was that they did not add hundreds of hours more of fun. They just added hundreds more hours. There is still the exact same amount of fun in Skyward Sword as there is in any one of the shorter Zelda games. There's just tons and tons of padding in between. There's There are so many pacing flaws on both the macro and a micro level in this game. On the bigger side, there's the long, boring padding between each dungeon. That, Like, that's like, like James said, isn't fun. It's just work. It's just... I have to go and travel to this other place and do this chore. Also, the slow text speed. Just that every conversation you're going to get into. It. I wouldn't mind the redundant like, hand-holding nearly so much if I didn't have to sit for three seconds per line. That just makes it infuriating the entire time. And oddly enough, the long cutscenes... Like, it's funny thinking of there being cutscenes in a Zelda game because there's none of the voice dialogue or anything else, but they, you spend a lot of time in a cinematic, quote-unquote, sequence with just the text boxes going very slowly, telling kind of a little character story. And then the, the repeated fights with that imprisoned monster, there's just lots of things. The game does constantly feel like it is wasting your time. It's like it's trying to stall while it figures out something fun for you to do. Like a bad babysitter. Ex- yeah, exactly, yes. <laughs> you go, go, go find spark plugs in the garage. Really? Do, do I need these spark plugs? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You need them if you want to have lunch. <laughs> the slow, te- the text speed is the thing that I think constantly like amplifies it. Just that in everything that is happening, whether the game is stalling with the sl- with the uh, boring padding between or not, there's just the slow text that you're constantly just holding down. Both I was holding down like four buttons <laughs> at all times toward the end of the game. I knew it wasn't doing anything, but I was just like. Hoping that there was just some that it was that you might sh- eventually find the shut the fuck up button. No, that uh, just that by sheer force of will, pressing these buttons, that the game was going to get like a hint that oh man, he wants he must want this well, to the, go faster. That Link would just do this sort of hand movement, like something. Yeah, yeah, yeah come on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's just there are things to like about this game. There are a lot. There are lots of enjoyable things. I mean, we've already talked about all the enjoyable things to like about this game, but it's offset by this constant these constant pacing problems, these constant things that are just irritating you. It's Even if it's just a tiny irritation, kind of in the back of your mind, it's always there and it is was, and I found it was just almost constantly undercutting the fun of the game. Another thing is the, uh, there's the voice acting thing, or the non-voice acting thing. I don't have a problem with the fact, necessarily, that they haven't taken the plunge with voice acting, so to speak. I just have a problem with the fact that I feel like they can't decide what they want to do. I feel like they've locked themselves into this convention. Of, oh, we can't give Link a voice. We've got it's got to be 
slow text, but they're also wanting to have lengthier cutscenes with characters talking and interacting and kind of developing as characters. And more like, and more emotional storylines. Exactly, well. and I feel like they're kind of wanting to have both things, and so they're falling in a little half-hearted, kind of in-between, awkward, not really effective stage, just in a not very effective way. You know, I'm 22 hours into Wind Waker, and I've only just got to the Forest Haven. Oh, sorry, that's just reminded me of something I want, I want to say about I didn't like. The graphics, I like it. I like the look they're going for, I really do, but it's inexcusable that it looks that bad. I went to the Legend of Zelda 25th Anniversary Symphony at Hammersmith Apollo, and they played the Wind Waker medley on a, on a full-blown orchestra, possibly one of the most powerful bits of music I have ever listened to. And while they were doing it, they showed key moments from the Wind Waker on the screen, the massive screen up ahead, above the orchestra. And I thought, you know what? That game still looks gorgeous. It still looks incredible. Such a stylized look. It's, there's not a jagged line in sight. And then at the end, they played Ballad of the Goddesses, and they showed Skyward Sword, um, like, you know, clips from that. And it looked ugly as sin. And I think ha- there is no excuse for that at all. I, I am the most forgiving bloke when it comes to graphics. I, for years, have said that, oh, it's about gameplay, not graphics. That's why I've got a Wii. Wii's a, you know, it's fun. It's not about looking at HD. And all, but it sure as hell doesn't need to look like that. You need to choose your style, your aesthetic, based on the graphics you're capable of doing. And exactly. Wind Waker did that very well, and that's why it still looks good. Hmm. I really wish that the Wii could step up to what Skyward Sword's trying to bring. Because, again, I think, like... If you can see past all of the ugly, jaggy aliasing stuff, like still that touch with the pointillism painting background blurry stuff, that's a cool idea. I wish I could see that more clearly through this haze of jaggy edges. There is um, someone has modded uh, the ROM, the elite, you know, the emulated ROM um, of Skyward Sword. Someone's modded it to clear up all the aliasing issues and make it sharper. But then that shows how they they because they purposefully blur anything in the background, don't they? Mm, mm, and yeah, I, yeah. I took that to be not just not just a design choice, but to kind of make you know cope with what the Wii can and can't handle. When sure. you see it without the jagginess, and you just see you know clear in the foreground and blurred in the background, it still look it's like watching Zelda. It's like watching Zelda when you're drunk. <laughs> maybe that would maybe that would have made Skyward more fun. I have just worked out what I want from Zelda in the future. Mm-hmm. Toss aside all the notions of Japanese schools. Um, there is actually a film that came out in the past year or so uh, that is lush and rich and colourful and beautiful and stylized. It's a movie where you start to think that it has so much in common with some of the best video games that have come out in the past few years that you start to wonder if I could just grab a joypad and start controlling these characters I could wander off into this deep rich world and explore Sucker Punch? I don't know why I'm thinking that Tangled Ah If the next Zelda because the next the the Wii is going to be capable of HD graphics and in five years time when they've got another Zelda ready they will have had enough time to work out what they want from it that I believe is enough time to bring it up to something like Tangled because Uncharted isn't too far from Tangled anyway. Nice. I like that. I haven't seen Tangled yet, but I do want to. Oh, my goodness. It's a good film. It's, it's a lovely film.
What are you hoping for in future instalments of the Zelda series? Should I answer it as in what I don't want from the next Zelda game? No, no, no. What no, I, no, no. What do you want? What, what I do want from another from Zelda game. I'd like to see it sort of go back to its artistic roots, if you know what I mean. While I really appreciated the the sort of semi cell shaded look of Skyward Sword and, you know, the heavily cell shaded look of Wind Waker, uh, what I want to see from another Zelda game what people want they want they want a HD version of Ocarina of Time I, I really appreciated that aesthetic sort of not more than Skyward Sword but it's sort of it's what Zelda is about to me and I, you know with Skyward Sword they sort of trod that tightrope with colourful graphics which is fine but then they sort of put it in a world that sort of seems really serious and while it seemed it seemed good on your screen thinking about it it, does, it didn't really work as well as Wind Waker did so I'd like to see it uh, go back to sort of a, you know its roots of from like the uh, the SNES days where it, it looks it looks a bit more real while you know it's it's not really it, but you know it needs to be a bit more realistic in its look uh, kind of like what they showed at E3 um, 2011 yeah 2011 uh, the, yeah the combat system wasn't entirely what I was hoping it to be on the flip side to that it wasn't one to one all the times I often found that I had to stand up. Or at least I did at the start of the game. I had to stand up to fight because you know, Link was always standing up. It's not like Link's in a wheelchair roll, rolling around with a sword in his hand. He's always standing up. So I feel like I had to mimic him. And there were times where I'd sort of get really involved in the combat. And I'd get so involved that I'd, you know, I'd whip the Wii Remote. And the, the cord between the nunchuck and the Wii Remote hit me in the face. And I'm like, okay, this is mental. Like, I'm getting physically abused by the console. And it's... Uh, yeah, it was a bit crazy. So I'd, I'd like to see them do away with that combat system now. They, they, they've done it, they've got it out of their system, and they've proved that they can change Zelda up by having a different combat mechanic. But none of this bonkers controls. It's fine if you want to give me the option to play with, um, you know, one-to-one motion control, that's great. But how about an option just so we can play with buttons? Because when it's 10 o'clock at night and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a bit excited for Zelda, I, d- I don't want to be stomping around my front room or bedroom and, you know, getting curious looks from people who are... You know, the next day you live next door. It's a bit, it's a bit weird. You're the first person who I've uh, spoken to who really didn't like the controls. They're, they're, they're good, but I don't want it, I don't want it again. <laughs> I'm bored of it. Like, already, I spent 40 hours doing it and I'm just, I was bored of it by the end. I, I don't feel like they offered enough of what they promised. This is probably going back to what I didn't like, but, like, they were like, yeah, one to one, and you're like, okay, so people are just gonna move their hands in certain positions and I'm gonna chop it, and that, that's good for 20 hours, but then you're 40 and you're like, I'm, moving, I'm, like, I'm like raving in my bedroom now but it's like I did 57 hours oh you know what I mean like, apparently there's like 100 hours in there somewhere yeah I think you know if you play it again on whatever but yeah um, the controls oh, that's what they mean yeah the, um, the, the new game plus new game plus yeah yeah so um, while I appreciate what they tried with Skyward Sword and I know they've already put on like news websites that we're doing motion control again um, just give me the option not to I just want buttons uh, I was more than I was more than immersed or just as immersed uh, with Ocarina of Time 3DS as I was with Skyward Sword and I don't think motion controls would you know help me get more absorbed into a Zelda world it's fine it's fine to press a button interestingly enough I mean you know me uh, in terms of how much I have bitched about the Wii over the years mm. hating on the waggle this is the first game I have ever played where I've actually gone 
yeah, you know what, this, uh, the Wii controls actually work. Mm. For me, it did sustain over 57 hours, but I can see how, for a lot of people, they just get tired of going, having a rave up, as you say. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was doing, and it was just, it felt like the enemies were, obviously the the enemies, not it felt like, the the enemies were obviously designed for motion control, so it was like, oh, now my right hand's going to go up to the left, and you have to swing, you know, you have to swing at me at this angle, and that's fine for this game. But how about we, we go somewhere different with the enemy design? Like, because it just felt like everyone was raving at me, like you know, like little little big fish, big fish, and a cardboard box, and all that shit at me. It was just like you'll have to scan with the Wii U controller. <laughs> oh God, lift it up to the screen and see. Yep. That's going to happen, isn't it's it? Going to happen. No, it's going to happen. Any any other predictions actually for the Wii U? No one's made these yet. Uh, predictions for the Wii U, yeah, it's gonna um, it's gonna have inventory management on that tab. That's gonna happen, and I'll I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. appreciate that. I'll appreciate that. Yeah, I mean that's it works fine on the DS. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which is essentially what the Wii U is, isn't it? It's a big DS. Um, um, other things that I'd like to see in a well, it's in H- It's gonna be in HD, isn't yeah. it? So, I mean, what are they gonna do? They're gonna do make it totally realistic, or they're gonna make it stylized? Do you think? Well, if we go by that E3 little snippet then or you know screenshot oh of course yeah no actually they did yeah. show that didn't they? they had yeah. like a big spider in the background it just looked that's what I want from the next Zelda game um, and, I, and I know it's called Zelda but, but they don't necessarily have to stick with that if you remember they actually showed something similar to that yeah. way back at the beginning of the cube mm-hmm. and it turned out to be Wind Waker indeed so. and people went no no we want the realistic one and later they gave us Twilight I know I, I quite like the fact that maybe they can alternate like you know have a have a, have a Wind Waker style have a realistic one, have a Wind Waker style, and you know they're, they're both great. Now that Nintendo's catching up with what seems to be a HD generation, uh, I'd like to see a fully rendered Link, you know, with a genuinely powerful machine on a HD TV. That because playing Mario 3D Land, and I know it's only a 3DS, but seeing that with a really nice sharp screen and Mario running around this world that looks and feels familiar to what you did, you know, 20 years ago. But in glorious sort of HD and 3D, it um it really it, it's it's what it's what Nintendo fans want. It's really what they want. What I'd like, and I think it's going to be kind of game breaking into the degree where they probably wouldn't want to implement it at all, is physics, mm. a sense of real world physics. Now the reason they won't do that is because this game in particular, the Zelda series was not conducive to play. It doesn't allow you to really experiment. There's one answer to every puzzle. There's one way to kill uh, most of the enemies. And if you do, if you try going, well, I wonder what happens if I do this. Oh, I, I lose energy. That's basically you get a rap on the knuckles each time. And no, no, no. What am I thinking of? Tell me what's written on this card. And eventually when you figure it out, you go, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, cool. Yeah. But I'd like uh, to be in a place where actually getting an item and, and playing around with it actually yielded interesting results. Mm. It, it does occasionally happen. Like things like using the, the dust bellows on the, the moblins. They go, oh, don't blow me in the face. But that's all they do ever. And there's no, you can't ever really do anything with them. I think what I wanted to do was be able to blow them off the edge and mm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's... It didn't really seem to encourage me to play, so there's a lot of stuff to do to fill your time not playing. Demanding too much from a fan point of view is what people are expecting from Zelda as a franchise. And I, like I said earlier, people are talking about Zelda as if like it needs to evolve into something bigger and better than it ever has been before. But I'm fine with Zelda being Zelda while improving on the little things, not changing the game drastically, but you know just just 
just you know just mix it up a little bit for the next one uh, I'm fine with Zelda just being good and not always great I'm less interested in the motion controls I mean I quite like that they attempted to do it with motion controls and some of it worked some of it didn't um, but having played uh, a bit of uh, Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii um, that system as it is even without Wii U doesn't need you do not need to uh, to always insist with your first party titles that you need to have every single motion control used and demonstrate the technology you know after five years you don't need to demonstrate it anymore just make a game that people can play uh, and make a game that's easy for you to play test and ensure that everyone has the same experience that would be that would be my one wish for it because I don't think there's anything aesthetically or thematically wrong with the current Zelda game I quite you know the direction they took it in I think was probably the right one um, the story probably was was a little bit weak but then after 25 years it's a bit difficult to keep reinventing the story but um, with the I think with the Wii U there will be opportunities to maybe have a more regular gameplay experience I know that you know if the tablet controller is what we think it will be uh, it's more akin really to to a to a big regular controller with a, with a screen in the middle rather than the, the current sort of Wiimote nunchuck arrangement which doesn't lend itself to that sort of play um, and like I said having if, if you're not experienced in a play Chronicles it's it's um, eye-opening playing a very good RPG with sensible and intuitive controls on the Wii it's like a revelation it's like oh wow I can play normal games this is fantastic so um, yeah that would be it for me I'd also I think in terms of uh Again, I like I like the, the the art style in Skyward Sword, but I do feel with Twilight Princess and to certain extent with Skyward um, Sky Sword, they've kind of taken a step back from the kind of bravery of Wind Waker. And I know they've carried on that Wind Waker aesthetic in um, Phantom Hourglass and, and, and Spirit Tracks, which as I said is probably probably my second or third favourite Zelda game. Um, I'd wish they'd carried on the, the kind of Wind Waker aesthetic. I thought that was amazing when that came out and um, they're kind of blending the two these days because they feel they need to appeal to a, a high definition audience I guess but I don't really think you need to I think you know if you look at um, digital animation in, in the cinema they're, they're not afraid of going for abstract so so why not in your video games I want to see the supporting cast with voices Link can stay silent. I think that works because ultimately Link is you in the same way Gordon Freeman is you. He's not a character. He's a way for you to interface with that world. But the supporting cast, I think, is it's about time that they had a voice. And especially playing Skyward Sword, where so many characters were so animated and so expressive, you think... Be expressive with your voice as well, please. It 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 would just it would just add a little bit more character to that world. And and there's so many games uh, Nintendo has not so many. Sorry, only one that I can think of. Metroid Prime Three, for example. Samus is silent in that, and um, all the supporting cast talk, and that really worked. Then they went the step. Further and had Samus talking. That was bad. I've gone off topic. Anyway, um, no, I, you're right. This is relevant. Yeah, 
But um, I think also maybe... It's proof of concept already. Yeah. That might just be to do with the fact that they gave it to an idiotic scriptwriter. Yeah. So- it might benefit Nintendo from having some distance from the franchise as well. One of the best examples of a franchise coming back and being really different but still being the same thing that we always loved was Metroid Prime. Um, the original Metroid Primes were great and then uh, Retro Studios took over development and produced this game that was very, very different from the previous games but also stayed true to that formula. So I wonder if it would benefit uh, Nintendo trying something like that. Um, don't give it to um, Team Ninja, though. That that turned out badly. It's so hard to change the uh, Zelda formula and it still be what it is, if you know what I mean. It's Zelda's not like Mario. I, Mario's concept is so basic and so loose that you can throw him in all sorts of different scenarios and it still works whereas Zelda's such a strict formula that if you change anything it suddenly changes the whole thing and it's not Zelda anymore I hope they can do something drastic to change the formula but um, I honestly struggle to see what they can do without betraying the franchise now that I've seen the Zelda timeline and after watching a comedy YouTube video which I actually really loved um, I would and now that the timeline is known they could do something with that since the Zelda series has been repeatedly based around time travel why not go back and forth to different uh, stages of Hyrule's development and go in and out of games that you loved and why not suddenly pixelate when you get to the uh, Legend of Zelda NES years and actually emulate the style. I think that game's developed by Hideo Kojima. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't even have to be the entire point of the game, but once you get past the middle stage where you get through the, 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 the standard side of it, imagine actually playing with us and going, look, this series has established itself. Let's go back and take a look, shall we? Ah. A sense of history to the whole thing. I don't know. Because the tone of Zelda is quite serious. If that's that's where I was going to go with it. Yeah, exactly. It that's it's too gimmicky. Like it's not Zelda doesn't. And I mean, I guess it could be argued that that's something that it should do. But Zelda doesn't do that. They're not. It's not a self-aware, haha, look at this thing like Mario is. You mm. know, it's, it's a, it's a story. It's not, it's more story-based and less, I don't want to say less presentation-based because the presentation is obviously a huge part of it, but less centered on how it's done. And obviously between games, it, it, it they play with that quite a bit, but I think if you played with it during one particular game, it would be too much. I don't, I don't, I think that it would take something away from the, gravity sounds almost too serious, but um, take something away from the, uh, the import of the series itself, if you were to do that within one game. 
So I've come up with several crazy out there ideas, and they've always been shot down by all and sundry. I, I'm, I think I'm fairly certain that the the issue here is that we're used to seeing the same thing play itself out over and over again with one specific style each time. But I actually said on the forums, if they remade the 1984 film, The NeverEnding Story, in 1991, 1998, 2003, 2006, and 2011, telling roughly the same story with some variations and obviously better effects each time, nobody would stand for it. Audiences and critics alike would demand a follow-up, a sequel, a continuation, some progress, some expansion. But it's just the same goddamn thing. Majora's Mask was something else, so was Avengers of Link, for better or worse. And each time the fans cried foul, and demanded that Nintendo go back and retell that same first story again. Like you say, serious. And see, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, no one does. and that, that's, I, that's not true. There's a lot of people crying that, it, that something needs to change, but then when something does change, they bitch about it. I'm at least being upfront about the fact that I don't want it to change. Okay, well, I'm crying that something should change, and then when it does, I'm not going to bitch about it. I don't think it's going to, so you probably won't have to make good on that. Okay. <laughs> Hey, Water Dragon, how's it going? Listen, I need you to tell me your quarter of the Song of the Hero. Who are you? You're kidding, right? I'm that guy who bought you sacred water so you could recover from the shitty shriveled up dragon fart that you were and regain your current rather sizable form of glory. Oh, yes, I remember. It was yesterday. Yes, well, I can't just tell you my section of the song. Why not? I mean... There's this creature who seems to want to eat the world. This is pretty key to the survival of, you know, everything. Go and find me 50 or so of these stupid little musical tadpoles. Which tadpoles? These tadpoles. The ones I'm scattering over a wide area for this pointless, laborious fetch quest. Only then will I give you my portion of the song so that you may proceed. You know what, man? Next time you're stewing in a cauldron, bitching about how much you need sacred water, I'm just gonna... What? Go and get it for you. It's not like I have a choice. (laughs) Run along, merry little bastard. I'm going to be humming my part of the song to myself. Go now. I'd like to see some of the future Zelda games take a few more leaves out of... uh, Take examples from other games. Because... And I'm not saying lift things wholesale, but just don't be afraid to take inspiration from other games. Specifically, I'd like, I mentioned Metroid Prime earlier. I'd love to see a Zelda game that actually takes a leaf out of Metroid Prime's book. Metroid Prime. Not counting, uh, Wii Sports Resort, by the way. Taking leaves out of that book is not the same. No, absolutely. I mean, I mean actual decent games. Metroid Prime left you on, like, you know, you went through a kind of tutorial section on a space station. And then you were left on a, on a planet to work out what to go and there was only one way to go there was only one door that would open but you went through there and you worked out what was going on you came to the first essentially the first temple you came to the first boss and Metroid is very much like Zelda they share a lot of the same conventions dungeons, bosses, bad guys, puzzles a lot of stuff but the difference with Metroid is it will take you into a room and you've got to work out how to get out of it etc just as you did in the classic Zelda games and if you really are stuck that you don't have someone pop up and say, you need to use the key, you need to use this. You've got the scanner, and there must be some sort of way of... I mean, Fee could have... You could have used Fee as a, as a scanner. So you say, right, can you tell me what that is? The Metroid Prime, the, the scanner would tell you, right, this block uh, appears to be structurally weak. It might collapse if it was 
hit by a concussive blast. Right, mm. I know that concussive blast means missile. I shoot the missile and I can see what's going on. It's almost like they were trying to do that, but then they just sort of accidentally left the setting on yeah. TARD. And just tell, tell you at that's all points what to do in the next section when it should have been toggleable. That's mm. funny. They actually had the they had the scanning mechanic already in there. They had the dousing thing. Mm. Yeah, and, exactly. But it's it's usually just go to the place you haven't been yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, the, like the, the it's a silly point. Like the interface, you had three settings. You had basic, light, and pro. If you had it on basic, it would show you the Wii remote on the screen at all times with all the buttons labelled. If you had it on Pro, it would show you nothing at all. That's what they need. I'm not saying that Zelda needs difficulty settings, but if they're going to build these games so that other people can play them, which I'm absolutely all for, more people need to play Zelda games, but remember that some of us have already done so and cater to us. And um, allow us to switch in-game, so it's like, you yeah. know what, this is actually getting a bit hard, I'm going to switch it to, I, I might need a, few, a bit of help every now and then. Or just make it so that you can select help. Yeah. They need to take a few um, tips as well from like things like Western RPG. So specifically, streamline shopping and interfaces. So I loved the fact I loved the fact that they tried to go for a much more kind of RPG style um, inventory. So you had the adventure pouch which you could expand, and it meant you basically you're getting things that can upgrade your equipment. So mm. quivers and extra arrows and stuff. You could upgrade your equipment by collecting materials and so forth, and that was great. But it was so long-winded because you had to scroll through and talk and talk and talk, and it's like buying the potions again. Just let me do it. It needs to be more like, say, Dragon Age, where you've got a party camp. Well, like Dragon Age, you can go back to your party camp, chat to your merchant there. He'll say, right, what do you want? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, right, I'll sell this, 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 and this. I will buy this, 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 and this, and then press done, and you're done. You're almost like internet shopping. You can get it all done in one go. But not too it. much. Final Fantasy XIII did it too much, and you can pretty much go to a save point and buy whatever you want. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying, yeah, not too much, obviously. The other thing would be, the last thing I'd, I'd really desperately want them to do, and something they were doing before Skyward Sword, stronger storylines. Wind Waker's storyline was incredible, because it wasn't just a princess has been kidnapped. It was, this world has changed and something has gone wrong, and you need to work out what it is, and you need to decide what happens to the fate of that world. Twilight Princess <clears throat> kind of went back to the whole, a princess has been kidnapped, but there was more to it than that. There was more to it than that. There was another princess involved that had been stolen from her throne. You know, there was another world, and, and it, was, it, it, was, it was... In terms of the gameplay, it wasn't that different to previous Zelda games, but the way that they told the story, it felt different. It felt bigger, it felt more epic. They need a lot stronger storylines. They shouldn't use the princess has been kidnapped as the, the template, and then that's the whole story. They need to use it as a starting point. What can we do with this idea? The princess has been kidnapped, what does that mean? Maybe the princess being kidnapped means that, you know, there's a battle to see who can take over in her stead, and Ganondorf is leading, you know, that battle, and we need to kind of help the ones that are trying to go against him, or something like, something along those lines. And they need stronger storylines in everything, not just the overall storyline, but the side quests. Like I said, I, I cannot emphasize how, how disappointed I was that the side quests just, I didn't care. I did not know one character in this, other than Zelda, and this is probably the most attached I've been to Zelda in a Zelda game. There were no other characters that I actually cared about or wanted to wanted to help. 
Majora's Mask. Even Groose. Even, especially Groose. <laughs> especially Slash Groose. Biff. Groose, yeah, exactly. Groose is Biff. I'm fine with Biff being at the start, but the fact they kept on bringing him in later, it's like, okay, why are you still here? Go away. You don't have a place in a, in a Zelda game. Oh, and actually, that's another thing that was a minus. I think that the people who write the Zelda games think they're a hell of a lot funnier than they actually oh, are. Oh, they really do. There's mm-hmm. so many bits in it where they're like, wah, wah, and there's like pause for laughter, and it's like, eh, okay, move on. Yeah. And there's like, like the bit with the whole toilet paper bit, and it's sort of being all coy about, you know, is he gonna, the ghost going to wipe his ass with a love letter, and it's like, um, uh, yeah, okay, I get it. How hilarious. It needs that be- might have been funny around about linked to the past time. Yeah. But we've moved the fuck on since then. It just, it needs and it to just be, seems like a lot of people at Nintendo haven't. Yeah. It needs to be a bit more mature. Like, I'm not saying, like, be adult and gritty and rrr, but be a bit more mature, because as much as, as much as, yes, there are still young people playing Zelda, the majority of us are 2030, like you say, but the majority of us are fans, and we're still playing these games because we love them. And give us a, something a bit more mature, something like Twilight Princess or Wind Waker. Like I said, like, you know, Give us people that we actually care. Give us a world we want to save. Majora's Mask, I cannot emphasise how much you started to care about the world, all of the people in it, and how sad it was if the world was going to end. Wind Waker, you loved the pirates. You you did, by the end, you loved your sister that you had to go and rescue. It wasn't just rescuing Zelda. You were rescuing your sister. You felt sorry for leaving your grandma behind on her own in her autumn years while you're off to face death. Twilight Princess, you live in a simple farm village and they steal all the children. The Moblins steal all the children. You want to go and get them back. You want to go and rescue them because they are your friends, they're your family, they're your community. It's not just about the world, it's about what Link wants to save as well. This uh, one, they It's because it's empty. Yeah, it's because the world is empty, there's no one in it. Who gives a shit? The concentrated population is in Skyloft. So it's yeah. almost like it doesn't matter about the rest of the world, Dan. And who is there to care about? Zelda, wonderful character. That you you get the sense of how close the pair of them are, and how you know you why Link would want to run, would want to face death to save her. You can understand that. To a lesser extent, you understand that you know, like you kind of like the the uh, headmaster Gebora and the two teachers because you feel like. But beyond that, what? It's a bunch of annoying high school students, and it's families who can't cope with the simplest of life's tasks. And there's there's Two no one. You have a kid, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no one. There's no one in. Um, no, I'm not thinking of that. I'm thinking more like the uh, the dusting, and, oh, yeah. um, and stuff like. Wait till you have dust in your house, then. Oh, I will. There's no one that you actually think, you know what, yeah, I want to help you. In the future Zelda games, I want them to either fully commit, embrace voice acting, and start telling a story in which they can use voice acting and develop their characters that way, or I want them to tell their story in a way that requires as little speech as possible. Tell it, go with the Wally style. I'd actually love playing a Zelda game in which they've managed to communicate everything visually, and Wally proved that it can be done. I feel like the Zelda series isn't hurting so much from the Zelda formula. I thought that was the problem at first when I started playing, that I was just kind of tired of the Zelda formula, and maybe I was, like, growing out of it. Maybe I just played too many of these. But as I kept on playing, I realized that a lot of the things that I'm enjoying most are actually the parts from the Zelda formula. It's the dungeons and the uh, getting new equipment that allows me to do new things in the dungeons. I think the formula actually might be fine. I think it's all of the old conventions. I think there are a lot of old conventions from the Zelda series because it is such an old series that has been going on for so long. It's things like, oh, well, we can't have voice acting. 
we'll try to kind of grow it and evolve it just slightly, what we're already doing, but we can't, but we have to stick with this one convention that we've always had. So they had a list of things they must have and a list of things they mustn't have, and they were too slavish to both lists to allow it to develop as a, as a game in itself. Exactly. It's, if the James Bond series has proven anything, it's that you can make a formula interesting many, many times. Mm. I think the Zelda series formula, at its core, the dungeons, the going around, the exploring the world, the, the, the saving princess, all that sort of thing, I think that can still be made fun many times over. I just think there are a lot of old conventions from a lot of old games that were very successful, but those conventions are showing their age and are handicapping the series. I mean, I said on on uh, on your show and had it scoffed by your uh, the co-host there, James. I'd really like to see a Persona-style Zelda game where it's set in a Japanese <laughs> high school and it's about a kid no. who has become upset. No, 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 because this one was set in a high school and I didn't bloody like it. <laughs> It's not the same thing. It uh, and was. The notion of it being more like Silent Hill, that the, the idea that it, the, the power of his, his will to be in a Zelda game changes the world around him so that it reflects a Zelda game. It's just something mm. with depth and texture and characters and, 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 and I don't, I don't something other than the most basic, broad brushstrokes, which we always get given. I don't necessarily think they need to change, it, like change the setting too much. I, mean, I remember there being rumours that they were going to do a modern-day Zelda. And I really don't think that needs to be done at all. That doesn't need to be done at all. It still needs to be your typical fantasy setting. That's fine. Just do different things with it. Maybe go, and I know it's the obvious comparison because it's what everyone's playing at, at the moment, but maybe go towards Skyrim a bit. Sky, like, not saying do a massive open world, but if you look at Skyrim, you've got one massive seamless open world, which is more like what Hyrule used to be, i.e. you could just go from area to area. Mm. you could quite happily have dungeons around it and it's not just about the dungeons there's a civil war going on there are people that are in need and so forth it's not the Skyrim's not that different to what a, a Zelda could be without it changing completely what the formula is say your you know your quest in Skyrim is to rescue a princess rather than kill dragons and rather than going to different towns yeah well no go to different towns but rather than going to do little fetch quests you have to go to a bigger dungeon well you are going to dungeons aren't you because you're going to find those dragon shouts. Skyrim is more like a Zelda game than previous Elder Scrolls, and I think Zelda needs to be more like that. Just without the horrendous amounts of glitches. Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> Can't have one without the other. That's funny, I didn't even realise there were a lot of side quests in this game, because I was aware there were a few, but honestly, I was feeling like so the game was wasting my time so much during mm. the main quest that I was like, I'm not... Look, side quests are almost by definition in these games there to take up more of your time and pad out the length. The main quest is padded out and lengthy. I don't want more. Majora's Mask, for example, and I know I keep on going back to that game, but the, the vast majority of the side quests are available from the start. So if you don't want to go to that first dungeon, you can just get on with the side quests. And, you and you're can right, just, you do actually you can, care about those people, though. Yeah, like, and you can explore the world at your own pace, and you can find the, this one... It was a different, like, depending on how how far you got through the main quest, depended on what side quests were available back in Skyloft. And after the first two or three dungeons, they're like, you know what, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to come back, buy some potions, and then piss off to the next temple. I don't care. 30 hours to, for the main quest, I that's too long. I need to get this game done. I really don't think that this is an idea that Nintendo is going to seize upon anytime particularly soon, but I think that it would be interesting to see... A uh, 
a series that, fi- not necessarily a series, but uh, part of the series that follows Zelda rather than following Link. I, I mentioned in Things That I Liked that Zelda is actually made a, a character with an importance and a history and a legacy in Skyward Sword. And I think that if this had a parallel adventure where you got to see where Zelda was this entire time, what she was doing this entire time, you know, following her end of the story, because, you know, the entire time that Link's doing his thing, she's off doing hers. And it would be a different thing because obviously she's not the one doing all of the crazy fighting, but there's, there's an adventure going on nonetheless. So I, I think that that would be, uh, would be an interesting direction to take things. been listening to Digital Gonzo episode 53 Legends of Zelda part 2 Skyward Sword and I want to say a massive massive thank you to all of my guests without whom the show would have been rubbish I'm Daniel Floyd you can find me every Wednesday on PATV Penny Arcade TV with a show called Extra Credits I've been Gary Zantiriad Blower and you can hear me uh, weekly on Game Burst and monthly on Big Red Potion I've been Joshua Garrity, and you can find me at CaneAndRinse.com and Gonzo Planet. I have been Desmond, or Darren Gogget, and you can find me over at www.CaneAndRinse.com. And I am Leah Haydu, and you can find me at GamerDork.net and also on Gonzo Planet. I am James Batchelor. You can find my podcast, Game Burst, at uh, www.GameBurst.co.uk. It's a twice-weekly gaming podcast, so we release episodes every Sunday. Sunday's the news show, and Thursday we have something a little different, so we'll have a roundtable, a quiz, a replay, or uh, interviews or something like that. So, um, yeah, GameBurst.co.uk. Stay tuned after the end credits music for a spoiler section, which will include notes on the Zelda timeline as well. It's really only recommended for people who've either finished the game or don't care about the end of the game. I've been Alex Shaw. See you next week for the Harry Potter reviews. Hey, Thunder Dragon. Who are you? I'm that guy who went back and forth in time thousands of years just to plant a tree and bring you back its precious life-giving fruit. The guy that saved your goddamn ungrateful hide, you know, this morning. I think I remember. Yes. I'm glad to know I've made your diary. Listen, man, I heard you had this unbreakable Hillian shield, you know, that really awesome one that is as symbolic to my character as the Master Sword. Oh, yes. Can I have it, please? What for? I have to fight Demise. Dude's got a sword as big as a canoe. I'd rather not get smacked with it, and I suspect this flimsy goddess shield is going to break on me, leaving both yours truly and the entire world doomed. I'm afraid I can't just give it to you. 
Dude, I bought one of those for like 60 rupees back in Ocarina of Time. The fate of the planet is at stake here. Can I at least just borrow it? I'll bring it right back once the day is saved. No, it might get damaged. It's unbreakable! You can have it. Yes? If you beat eight bosses in a row on one lot of hearts without using potions... What? It will amuse me. Listen, Thunder Dragon, are you going to oppose Demise if I don't? Oh, heavens no. Is anybody on this entire fucking continent going to lift a finger to stop him? No, no, I think they're all too busy just standing in one place waiting for you to come along. Can you even use that shield? It makes a very handy, indestructible coaster. Okay, is there any alternative to fighting all those bosses in a row? You could do the Silent Realms again. Oh, hell no! Splendid! Bring on the giant flaming Mike Wazowski. Everything's great. Link! You've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the past. Seven years to be exact. Uh, Doc, I just got here, okay? Zelda's here. This concerns her too. The future is at stake. What are you talking about? What happens to us in the future? Will we become assholes or something? No, 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 Link. Both you and Zelda turn out fine. It's your descendants, Link. Something's got to be done about your descendants. All right, Doc. There's something exactly what I'm supposed to do, okay? All right. Now listen up. First of all, you need to go back seven years ago, placing you in the opposing timeline where you belong. Right, but then won't there be two of me? You'll be reliving your life from that point in time, except you won't do anything you did. Instead, find Zelda, warn her of Ganondorf's plan. While he's being sealed in the Twilight Realm, you need to recover Majora's Mask. Major what? Never mind that now. Ganondorf will escape the seal. The gods will flood Hyrule and trap him once again. Uh, flood Hyrule? Oh, don't worry about that. That happens in this timeline. Plus, you'll be dead. What? No, 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 no. It's not even for around a hundred years. A descendant of yours, however, by the same name, will sail the seas and defeat Ganondorf. Defeat Ganondorf? But I thought he said he was trapped. He escapes. He always escapes. A hundred years from your timeline, your descendant, Link, will save Hyrule from the Twilight Realm and kill oh. Ganondorf. Then, your descendant's descendant, Link, will battle a shadow version of your descendant's descendant with three other versions of himself. Also, Ganondorf will be reincarnated and transformed back into Ganon. That shadow version of your descendant's descendant will go on to duel your descendant's descendant's descendant, who also kills Ganon. Again! Who does that? Link! Right. Then Link has to train with his crossbow. Yeah, is that important, or...? And after that, he has to fight a giant hand in outer space! 
that? Don't forget Soul Calibur 2. What, huh? Listen, damn it! After that, Link will have two separate adventures, killing a resurrected Ganon in the linked ending. Then that same Link goes on to kill Ganon. But you just said I, er, he killed him. But this time it was all a dream. Jeez, what a shitty game. Then the next Link in line kills Ganon with Silver Arrows, who somehow returns. His followers try to resurrect him, but Link stops them and awakens the sleeping Zelda in approximately 1.21 millenniums. important that you understand. Just go. Go back and kick these events into motion. You need to leave this timeline immediately before it's too early. Dad, why does it have to be so complicated? Why can't it be a simple, straightforward timeline? I don't know. Ask Miyamoto. <gasps> it's happening! Look! Just play the damn thing already. 88 beats per minute. Good luck, Link! And remember, the CDI games don't count! Mulderac, the scorpion boss, was for me the most fun Zelda boss I've ever fought. If I'd only fought him once, he would go down in history as one of my favourite bosses of all time. I ended up fighting him three times. It's a fighting a giant scorpion, but you've got to be careful, slashing at the right time, aiming at the right thing, doing it in the right direction, and you've got to be constantly watching him, always watching him and dancing around the place. I stood up and actually danced around for that like a gladiator in an arena, like something out of Clash of the Titans. That was awesome. Yeah, there's something about the and I know it's still motion controls and it's not perfect, but there were plenty of times in this game where, like, a boss fight or something serious would come up, and I would... There was something I liked about the feeling of, all right, I'm standing up from the couch, this is serious. I'm <laughs> it's like, I'm getting this done right. And there is a real feeling of triumph of, yes, I just beat you, bested you in combat, when you've actually been kind of doing the movement yourself. I really like the the bit at the end with Impa and, um, and you know... See, that was, that, that was, like, the one bit where... It was towards the end that I started to wonder, when I knew about the time thing, mm. um, I started to wonder, is the old granny Impa? Mm. And at the very, very end, it was like, it was, oh, brilliant, I saw that coming. But like, that's the sort of thing that we needed all the way through. That time thing, like, just, there's so many references to the Asian past throughout the first 20, mm. 25 hours. Mm. Where was the dual world? That, they could have made a great They game. could have. That absolutely. Would have been amazing. Go back in time, and then you go to a place, and like the the woods could have been flooded, and that yeah. could have been the thing. The, the, I mean, like, what's it like? The, the tree puzzle where you've got to mm. get the seed and all that. That's like something out of Oracle of Ages. They could have done something like that. Yeah. 
And the the whole thing about um, the time using, shift stones. The time shift stones I thought yeah. was one of the best things in it. Oh, but if you'd brilliant. gone back to the ancient past, it could have been always like that. Yeah. And you could have basically prevented the thing that happened that made it fucked. But the fact that I never managed to do that left me feeling broken off about that area. That's what I want. I want a, I want a Zelda game where you start in the ravaged world. Yeah. And writing the boat. Also, kind of like a Kami then. Yes. <laughs> well, see, I read it the whole time. I didn't talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> But you started like was like the, the the desert was you know used to be something amazing. Oh, the, yeah. the volcano could have fantastic that bit. The volcano could have used to been a, like a nice snowy mountain range. Yeah, you know the woods could have just been used to like been plains and stuff. And you sold the stuff in there to get the keys to go back in time mm. to where it was, and then you have to work out what caused the apocalypse and stop it. I mean, if they're going to recycle the zones, that would have been the best way of doing yeah, it. Exactly. Like, oh, Different time zones. Oh, but, come on. I mean, it would have been riffing on Ocarina of Time, but then what fucking Zelda game that's come since then hasn't? Exactly. The harp thing. Like, I know that every Ocarina, every game since Ocarina has had to have a musical intro- instrument, but the harp thing was completely pointless. It's ridiculous. Because you're not even playing it. No, you're just going left and right left and, and left, right, left and right, right and, and then, maybe a bit faster and slower and left and right. It's like, we fucking music! So like, why are we was, learning new songs if we're and, doing the exact same thing? Yeah, and it was, I was, um, I was holding up, was it, like, it says, you've learned the such and such song. It's like, I don't I even... Learn I shit! I, I heard it two seconds ago and I could not tell you how it went. <laughs> the reason, the reason everybody has such a soft spot for Oracle of Time, there's several reasons. One, it was the first uh, 3D one. Yeah. But the fact that the music was intertwined with all the levels and you heard it over and over again and then you got taught the melody and you remembered it because you'd heard and you're like hang on it goes and you remembered it shamefully it wasn't until the 3D version you remember the sun song it wasn't until I played the 3D version on 3DS that I realised that that's the song that sounds when the sun rises yes yep. I didn't tweak to that I've oh, played Ocarina of Time six, th- t- six times and I didn't <laughs> tweak to that until every one. song is relevant to something like yeah. well, even, even the ones that aren't like, like the, the ones for the temple even the ones the ones for the temple are so brilliantly kind of introduced with you know the duet between the ocarina and the harp hmm that you remember them. I can, you know, the, the Bolero of Fire, da, na, 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 na. that does not appear anywhere in the game, but I remember it because I remember it when it was played for the first time. And these, you just didn't, they recycled the fucking cutscenes. They just changed the background depending on the song you learned. I really like the central uh, Zelda thing. Oh, Possibly because the the uh, CD that comes with it has that really rousing orchestral version. Oh, but that CD is so enough, fucking amazing. That, that CD. CD is fantastic, but it highlighted what hadn't changed about Zelda. That should have been an orchestral soundtrack. Yeah. That was the step they needed to take, but it Wait. wasn't. It was just. Synthesized. Yeah, some bits of it were like I think the flight again, the flight thing. Yeah, was, the flight were there, there were elements that were orchestrated, depicted, p- and chose what. Mm. One thing I forgot to bring up, and it's not like actually a big deal, so it's probably not worth including in there. But all right, so the ship in the Sansi le- level sort of thing. Oh, I getting love to the that. before the boss fight, tent like the tentacles coming in. It's this whole like kraken sort of crazy moment, and sort of almost Uncharted three. It's just like ah, this thing's sinking. Let's get up. Let's get out of the boat. Yeah. And then yeah. you get up top, and it's like a storming and epic, very Pirates of the Caribbean sort of huge thing. And then this Monster Zinc monster pops. <laughs> <up. laughs> it's totally looks, Monster Zinc. It's it literally d- looks like like 
the little disguise they put Boo in in Monster. Yes. If that grew up yes. and became a monster, that's what it looks like. And it's the just this stubby little roundy arms and the big eyes, and it's like the goofiest looking thing. That'd be great. Halfway through the and um, halfway through the boss battle, it just roars at you. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> Speaking of which, that bomb boss was Mike Wazowski on fire. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Thank you. I know it reminded me of someone. I will say the but, one th- the like the. Sailing the little boat in the sand sea with a time stone. Yep. But that was that bit was awesome. That's that was perfect. If you'd been able to dive off the side as well, that would have been even better. Sure. The, like, if we're going on about characters, on like the, the the whole the final boss demise and blatantly looking like Gandalf was going, and, he, and him saying, "Oh, you know, um, you may have defeated me now, but an, an, an incarnation, in, an incarnation of me is like how do you do that?" The fact they've been building this up as like, this is the prequel, this is where it all begins, as they say in the trailer. I was expecting a slightly better um, origin story than that. I honestly thought at one point, and I'm glad this didn't happen, I honestly thought at one point that Groose was going to turn out to be Ganondorf. That he <laughs> had red hair, yeah. Because he had red hair and yellow eyes and brownish skin, and I thought he was going to be corrupted or something and transformed into Ganondorf. A big jerk who always pushes Link around. That would have been better than what actually happened. Yeah. Like, if... It would have actually been quite sad. Like, if... if um, I like the idea of Garahim being the sword. If he had missed, turned into an evil sword, plunged himself into Groose's chest, and Groose, in an effort to survive, had basically just absorbed the evil and become Ganondorf. Yeah. Oh, dude, we should write for Nintendo. We should. That would have been... I did like... <laughs> that would have like better the, than what actually happened. I did like the fact that Girahim was essentially Fee's opposite. Yeah. And that would have been a really clever twist if I didn't fucking hate Fee by the point we, we yeah. found that out. Uh, yeah, and when you finally say goodbye to Fee, I was like, oh, I, I, this would be a really touching moment if she hadn't not shut the fuck up I, the whole way through. My favourite Fee moment was, um, do you remember in Ocarina of Time when um, you first faced Ganondorf to, at the top of Ganon's tower and Navi says, Link, the waves of darkness are preventing me from getting near you. I can't help you in this fight. And it's like, oh shit, I'm without Navi. And then when she, with the, the, you know, the final boss, she's like, she says, I'm saying, you know, nothing he can do will stop me. So we fight him together. And it's like, you know what? I like you, Navi. You're all right. There was a point, and I cannot remember what it is. I think it's around the, the time you fight Girahim. Where Fee comes, apologies, Master. I was unable to get near to you because of some sort of darkness. Like, and I was honestly like, were you gone? I, I, I've just been ignoring you. I didn't even know you'd gone. And more importantly, why did you come back? There was (laughs) another time when she was very quiet for a long time. I can't remember what it was. Maybe the Master Sword was gone. It might have been something to do with the dragons that you mentioned before. But my my batteries had gone really low. Mm. And I was like, oh, she's not reminding me. Thank Christ. And then she came back and the first fucking thing she did, your batteries are low, your batteries are low. And it's like your heart's going beep. Beep, the worst thing is your health. The worst, your, your health is really low. You're like, okay, right, I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to try and avoid the distraction. And Fee turns up, dude. Your heart's are low. You're about to fucking die. I know. No, what's it like? Your hearts are dramatically low. You need to. You should um, replenish them with a potion. It's like, really? Because I haven't worked out what that fucking beeping noise is, and that's not the same fucking beeping noise I've dealt with in fucking countless Zelda games. I fucking know. She even tells you this when you don't have any potions and there are no hearts available. Yeah. When you're fighting a boss and there's no hearts. Like, I, I know. Go get me a potion, bitch. Sorry. Oh. 
even, 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 she even started putting me off other characters. Was it when you get that little scrapper robot who could have been quite funny? Captain Short Pants. Uh, hey, Captain Short Pants. And the fact that he's obsessed with fear is like, you know what? I already fucking hate you. <laughs> I. Look, you know what, next time, if they don't make Link talk, if they don't make at least the no. rest of the world talk, they fucked up badly. It you felt like playing a late 90s game this You second. don't need Link to talk. Gordon Freeman has never spoken in his life. I think Gordon Freeman should speak as well. Mm-hmm. I think Chell should speak. I, I, I am all for characters being characters, not just ciphers. As Co- Combine said, if you vote for Gordon Freeman, you're voting for yourself, and it's an act of vanity. Okay, okay, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> okay something like, um, and maybe go along the Dragon Age system where everyone else talks, and you've got a list of things to ask, and you, you never hear your own voice, but you... You have a list of things that you can ask. Sense of choice in a Zelda game has never been introduced. Give us more than just actually or hey, how's it going? Like you know, it doesn't matter what I say at this yeah. point. It's a NES game at that point. It doesn't yeah. matter what you say. And you I'm not no- saying we don't want multiple endings or anything. We don't want to. We don't want a renegade and paragon system like um, Mass Effect. But just give us some sort of choice. Oh, I, I want to talk. no. I want everyone to talk. I I, I want. It to be like Tangled, frankly. I mean, ultimately, the, the Nintendo fanboys will go, No, you can't make Link talk! And then they'll get used to it. Yeah. It's that simple. It's that simple. It's just but what, what, what would he sound like? Um, They've geez. already picked his voice. We know what he sounds like. He's, he makes sounds. <laughs> what? We, know what, we know what Link sounds like. That, Is it I, real? I, did, did Link and Zelda sound more Japanese than they usually do this time around? I think they did get a different voice this time. No, I know they, not... they do a different voice for each one, but usually it's quite a generic. Yeah, he. But this one sounded very Japanese, like. I still, I'd be fine if they didn't bring voices in, but I want them to like. All right to make that a choice that they fully embrace. Don't just say, oh, we'll just do the exact... It'll be like we had voices, but we'll do it with text. That's annoying, and that's a cop-out. Structure. Try to structure your story in a way that you can tell everything without the characters talking. Just like meaningful looks, just actions, things happening on screen. Simplify the story. They're already really super simple stories anyway, and you can kind of... You can read a lot of it into what they're... Kind of just the way they're acting as it is. I don't think it would be that far of a stretch, and I think it would make the story like it would force them to make the story and characters more memorable and ooh, ooh. interesting on their own. You just reminded me when I was watching the very very end today, when Ganon's basically going, you know, throughout time I will hound you, I will always be there to stop you. At that point, Nintendo should just broken the fucking fourth wall and done a fucking jazz singer and just had Link go, so will. I and actually say it. Yeah. And you're like, shit, he spoke. Yeah. Because we know that, that in the world he does actually speak. But it's like at that point, it's like that is the point when Link talks, and that would have been the whoa moment. That would have kind of badass, actually. It would have been <laughs> so been much awesome better. Thing. Like, you know, it's the, the notion that basically Link, that the, we had like two sides of the same coin, you and I. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know why he's German. But, um, <laughs> but that, that would have been so good. Just that the notion that Link suddenly gets becomes gets the upper hand because he's talking at this point. It's like, oh dude, next time, talking Link. 